Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling Around. Joining me this week is the world-famous Terry Peters. Terry Peters, how are we doing? I'm good, thank you. No insects to notice of this week as well, which is always a Brucey bonus. Although uh, I have noticed a few flying about outside, but that, that's I've, good. I've, the, kept my, I've kept my social distance from them. The people were worried. The people were worried that another six-legged creature had, had attacked the Peters household. I <laughs> was worried uh, as well. I was bloody livid. If it goes, you know, if it goes a bit quiet and uh, Terry Peters doesn't speak for a while, we can only assume that a wasp has entered his bedroom. <laughs> well, I, I won't be quiet. He'd be shrieking. I'd be jumping out the window. There we go. Yeah, let's just a bit of discussion. Terry Peters may scream throughout this recording. <laughs> and a more more somber note, we've got Lou Markham. Lou, I believe you've got something to say to our the wrestling around fans. Yeah, I've got another wrestling around apology. Um, Unfortunately, I had to start the last week's episode of an apology, and I have to do the same again this week. I'd like to extend my apologies to two individuals who I respect a lot. Um, and my comments last week were misplaced, misjudged, and untimely. I'd like to apologize to Paul McShane and David Beckham <laughs> for, for getting them mixed up. Um, last week, I said it was Paul McShane's birthday. I said happy birthday to Paul McShane. I'd actually um, mixed them up with another favourite footballer of mine in, in David Beckham. Very easy to do. Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Both just handsome, the... muscular men with great hair. Who Who's your favourite out of the two, just before we get started? I'm intrigued here. Well, that is tough. Like, I mean, I'm, I don't know how we've managed to make it to episode seven without me saying this before. But I was there for David Beckham's goal against Greece. Nice. Um, at Old Trafford. Yeah, and that, you know, that really, really uh, stayed with me, but... But also Paul McShane is, is Paul McShane, so probably Paul McShane. Who do you think um, would you think would be more offended that you got them mixed up, Paul McShane or David Beckham? I imagine Paul McShane. Oh, I, think, like, I imagine Paul. McShane. I imagine David Beckham like saw your young Paul McShane at the academy, Man United academy. Is it, what, do you think they'd be there together? Did they cross? I know they were both at Man United, but did the timelines cross? Briefly, possibly. Maybe, maybe I'm like exactly. fair year. Know, one, yeah. way to, one way to find out, isn't there, guys? Let's, have a, let's do a successful yeah. Google. Yeah. But if not, you know, Beckham's got, Beckham's got connections there. He's got his mates, hasn't he? He knows him. He must have gone back. He probably, probably looks him for get him out. Get him out before he's too good. Maybe he thought this guy, because he was used to be right back then, he probably yeah. Maybe the thought they'll push him a bit further forward and, yeah. and probably thought, take Beckham's spot. He'll get into Sunderland before, yeah. <laughs> before he makes his mark too much. And obviously he ended up doing that at Hull City. 
So Paul yeah. McShane's youth career was at Manchester United 2002 to 2004, and then yeah. his first team was 2004 to 06. But he was out on loan a lot, so it it definitely. Was there, it when definitely Beckham was like 2003, 2004, wasn't he? Yeah. 2004, I think, was it? 2004. Yeah. That's that's probably why. To be honest, like, that's why Paul McShane got brought up to the first team. Uh, would imagine so. Right. Yeah. So um, enough uh, enough enough apologies. <laughs> 2003 went. Back 2003 in. was it really? 2003. Well, they definitely um they definitely put it together though. So um, our sincerest apologies to uh, listeners of the show, Paul and David. Yeah, um, I, I knew that one of my favourite footballers shared the birthday with The Rock. <laughs> um, but no, Paul McShane shares his birthday with Alex Turner, the Arctic Monkeys. So when that happens, we'll, we'll wish him a happy birthday again. Yeah, We'll just replay the clip from last week. I share, <laughs> mine, with Glenn, I share mine with Glenn Hoddle. Well, there we go. This is... Um, I don't want to be that guy, but this is supposed to be uh, wrestling around, not, uh, not footballing around. We've, but we've, uh... Footballing around, coming soon. <laughs> We, we've just done a This Is Your Life segment. There you go. This is your birthday, anyway. Right. Well, that's a fair, if it was Glenn Hadlow, it'd be This Is Your Past Life. Uh, what do you mean? Anyway, let's move on. What do you mean, This Is Your Past Life? I don't know for the fucking point, Piers. It's a jerk. Like, you know, <laughs> just Google Glenn Hadlow and why he got sacked from England. Oh, sorry. I thought you were insinuating. Well, insinuate that was rude. That was a clever little joke that we moved on from. And now I've had to explain it. We better start the show. This week, we're doing something different. I know it's not talking about famous footballers' birthdays and what they may or may not have said. As the day we're recording today is the, the 9th of May, you'll hear this on the 13th, 14th of May. We are celebrating one of our, all three of our favourite wrestlers. William Regal. He was born on the on the tenth of May, nineteen sixty eight. So we're gonna do a showcase of William Regal. Peter's your this is this is your life segment would have would have been better now because <laughs> that's what we're about to do. <laughs> we've got William Regal. We're just gonna we've all picked two matches each and favourite non wrestling segment because this, that was probably the hardest bit. I, I thought. Oh, <laughs> Trying it was, to get it was easy for me. Regal segment. Oh, I, um, I knew what mine was straight away. <laughs> so when we're going through his full career, we've got matches from WCW, ECW, WWF, NXT, WWE. <laughs> so we, we've got a, a definitely a broad spectrum. Lou, have you got just a few words on, on why Regal's your favourite wrestler just before we, we break down his career? This is bloody British and he's on the lads. Um, no, there's well, there's that as well. That's that always helps having the, the hometown hero. Although as a kid, I absolutely hated him. I was like, it's embarrassing our country acting like a pillock on um, on, that, on on American TV. But I think like over time, you realise that God, this guy's absolutely brilliant. Like, and I think like what we're covering today kind of shows it. He's got the the technical nous to put on a really good match, but he's also absolutely hilarious. As he said in interviews himself, he doesn't mind making a dick of himself. As long as it's entertaining, like he likes the comedy side of things, and I think that really comes through. And then even and even now, he's, he's kind of working with the youth, as it were, the development. He's still having a bigger impact on WWE now than he probably ever has in his wrestling career. Not to diminish his wrestling career by any stretch of the imagination, but but what he's doing now backstage for the uh, the young wrestlers is amazing. He's definitely got sort of bits of everything, and if everything you'd want, so he's got the the in ring skill, he's got the the mind because he can put on a good match as well. He's gay, yeah, like you say, he's got the the comedy aspect. Terry Peters, a few words on what Regal means to you. Again, uh, I'm just going to echo Lou. Really, I think as a young Terry Peters, I didn't really appreciate 
regal um, as much as what I should have done. But as a sorry, just imagine a young Toby. Toby Peters was born at fifty-five years old and, and will remain there for, the, for his full life. Yeah, I I think as I've got older, I appreciate regal, and I think going through these matches almost seems like he was ahead of his time with his technical work that he did. Yeah, for me, quite underrated, really. And I think with the career that he's had, I think he could be quite proud. And again, what he's giving back to the business now as well is, is pretty incredible to see. Yeah, I definitely think he's one of the unsung heroes of the past like 20 years of wrestling, definitely. And he's not somebody, when you say all-time greats, he's not somebody that many people probably think about, but he's done a hell of a lot. I'll go through his accomplishments at the end, but he's done a lot more than you'd think that he has. I would also say that I think when you look at his style, he's probably, influ- I think I've said this before on the podcast, but he's influenced probably some of those newer wrestlers. Oh, definitely um, on the pre-scene. And I, I've, yeah, and I've picked this up, I will go through it, but I have picked this up throughout the the matches. But yeah, I think as well he's quite an influence on people, or can be. Yeah, for sure. But right, let's get into it. William Regal, this is your life. Darren Kenneth Matthews was born on the 10th of May, 1968. If he didn't pick William Regal, I think Darren Matthews would be quite a good British wrestling name. <laughs> it would, but you can't be Lord Darren Matthews. No offence to anyone called Darren. You can't, you can't, be have, Lord. You can't have Lord Darren, can you? I just <laughs> think it's... A... There's Lord Darren's coming down. <laughs> don't work. Uh, I don't think it's not that, not that bad of a name. He was born it's... in Codsall, Staffordshire. Uh, he made his, his wrestling debut in uh, 1983, so he was only 15 years old. He was in a wrestling challenge booth at the Horseshoe Show Bar at Blackpool Pleasure Beach for a guy called Bobby Barron, which is also a great wrestling name, Bobby Barron. And so basically what he would do is he would take on sort of punters, members of the public, and put shoot holes on him. <laughs> That's how he got it. So 15-year-old Regals sort of stretching people, which I think is absolutely great. And then following on from this, he joined All-Star Wrestling, which is based in Birkenhead. But they wrestled all over the UK. And here's where he first teams up with Robbie Brookside, one of the absolute legends of the British wrestling scene. And it was with Robbie Brookside that he, uh, he wrestled on World of Sport in 1987 to 88. So right at the end of World of Sport before Greg Dyke you know, killed that. Not to go back to football, but he also really tried to kill the England team, didn't he? But <laughs> not a popular man in this in this uh, <laughs> in this country, Greg Dyke. Scum. Subhuman scum. Can I just point out as well that all star wrestling is still going, I believe, at this point. It is. Think... They're they still getting crowds, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. They do shows at the Brits Bar, don't they? Uh, I'm not With, sure. Um, I'm not sure. And the because the seats are like you know like that, where you got the tables like, all the way down. Around that would the ring. That'd be great. No, it's, it's not. No? No. You've got to turn around the entire time. I don't like it the darts. You've got to I think stretch few, yeah. when I was like, doing my research a few years ago, I think they got like 6,000 people, which is quite good for a yeah. sort of little indie fed. It's not one of the big UK ones, is it? All-star. No, it's not. It's a very... They did go through that phase of doing the American tributes. Right. So I think we might have gone to see a few shows at Hull City Hall where they had... Which we probably should have twigged at the time. Kane... McCain looks like five foot eleven. Yeah, basically anyone on a mask. Mangand with different coloured hair. Yeah, we should have we should have twigged at that point really. Um, but yeah, that was that was all star wrestling. So yeah, they're still they're still going. But yeah, they're not in the same. Well, they're not trying to attract the same crowd as someone like Progress or yeah ICW. It's more like a a family crowd. 
Yeah, you know, good for them. Yeah, so he's he toured the world. He's been, you know, he's mentioned they wrestled in Germany, South Africa, you know, the, you know, where they get some of the, the big European crowds. Seems everybody who's coming through the British scene, especially at this time, tends to go over into mainland Europe. And it was on one of these tours that he was spotted by WWF and he had his first dark match on the UK Rampage show on the 24th of April 1991. And this is when he got the name Stephen Regal. For those who don't know, he used Stephen Regal because he saw it in a wrestling magazine. The electric Stephen Regal was an American wrestler, and that's where he first found it. Imagine someone doing that now. He's absolutely set it for a try about it. Should he go, what's your name there? And he go, uh, Undertaker? <laughs> like, he just, you can't believe he gets aware of it. So he did have a couple of other names. When he, when he worked in Wales, he was uh, builder Steve Jones from Cardiff. That sounds like a proper builder name. Steve Jones, he's the bloke. Yeah, Steve like, Bob, isn't it? Yeah, he was the, the Welsh fellow who went to America to the Wags Factor, and they. Yeah, but he's talking a weird voice, isn't he? He's like, hey, I'm, I'm Steve, Steve Jones. Really weird. He was also Roy Regal in a company called Joint Promotions, and he wrestled there in 1986. You definitely couldn't keep that one. Lord Roy. <laughs> he wrestled Lord Darren. I was wondering. Obviously, trained to wrestle by Matty Jones, wasn't he? Do you think Steve Jones, a tag team partner of him? Because that's what they used to do, wasn't it? They used to just make brothers and stuff on it. Yeah, I mean, knowing knowing Matty Jones as well as I do, I could possibly see that. How long did you meet Matty Jones for? Yeah, I had a good, I had a, you know, a good session of uh, Matty Jones. <laughs> so we, we, we both been, been, yeah. it's a good thing that me and me and William Regal have both been trained by by Matty Jones. How, how long were you trained by Matty Jones for? Yeah, just an hour. So, <laughs> yeah, that was enough. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, you know, because I've been to one session. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, repeating our stories in episode seven. Yeah, I've been training with uh, El Um I won't say his real name, but I actually saw El Ligera unmasked, um, which is different. Not what I expected. I expected just a fleshy version of his mask. <laughs> but, yeah. And also the horns aren't real as well, which is Oh, what? Come yeah, on, Pete, let's keep some kiff here, B. What's going on there? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But yeah, the Matty Jones turns up the next week, and at first I thought he was just one. I thought we were just following guys like Grandad or something. Like jumping him off. He just sat down. And he gets someone to bring him a, a plyo box. Because it was like in a, it's in a gym in Mali. I mean, that's mainly the reason. It's just faff to get to Mali. Um, you got to get a bus. You yeah. know, I don't, yeah. can't be getting on one of them, can you? Well, you, get, you can get a tram. It's half an hour walk from station. So you might yeah, there's no point yeah. in it. Yeah. Like... But he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he goes, yeah, lads, you are, you are the new lads. And there's me and this other guy. A big lad. And he goes, have you bumped before? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> Did it last week. On the old crash mat. But before I said that, I was like, right, get in the ring. Let's <laughs> see some bumps. So I did them, and I was fucking painful. But yeah, I could, do, I could do a flat back bump. I'm pretty confident I could do a flat back bump. Bumping in a ring is totally different to bumping on a mat as well. I, I, I've bumped in a ring and on a mat. And yeah, it's it's not easy. Absolutely. absolutely. It, it is it not is, easy. It stings a bit. But then, like, because the week before, Liguero made it to be such a big fail. He was like, this is going to absolutely kill. Like, am I, like, when it wasn't as bad, I was like, oh, this is all right. So I did a few then with, uh, with Matty Jones, and he was impressed. And he was impressed by the way I got up as well, which I was natural at. Oh, and he was like, right, let's uh, <laughs> let's go out of the ring. <laughs> what? <laughs> let's crash out on the floor. We're still on the apron, bloody um, crash out of the ring. So, so yeah, I've this... not been back since. Is it was this one on one time with Matty Jones? Or was it was there a group? No, there's a, a few of us this time. There's a so few of you. Yeah, the week before I'd I'd gone so Laguerre's mate, I think his name was John. I'd kind of just done some one on one stuff for me just to get me 
And I think if they were still there, I'd have carried a mob. I mean, to be fair, it was fine. Like that, that wasn't the reason I stopped going. I broke my foot doing a 10k, of all things. <laughs> and I just never got back into it after that, actually. But yeah, I'd like to, once this is over, I'd like to give it one more go, I think. But you I never think. know. But yeah. But what I'm saying is now, Matty Jones getting to bump out the ring. Second week. I'm calling you out if you're listening, Matty Jones. <laughs> Me and you. The next All-Star Wrestling event. Sean. What do you mean, if you're listening? Cos is listening. Cos is listening. We're worldwide. Wrestling yeah, is worldwide. I believe he's now, in, he's now located in Ashburn, Virginia. <laughs> not Ashburn, Georgia. <laughs> no, there's no one in Ashburn who listens. Uh. <laughs> right, anyhow. So Regal's having his, his first dark match with WWF here. He teams with Dave Taylor and Tony St. Clair. Uh, Dave Taylor, obviously a UK wrestling legend. Tony St. Clair, interesting bit of trivia about him. He trained gentleman Chris Adams, who then trained Stone Cold. Yeah. So he's Stone Cold sort of grandfather trainer, isn't he? Basically, yeah. Trained the man who trained the man to be the man. They defeated Drew McDonald, Chick Cullen, and Johnny South. And neither of them, none of them have Wikipedia pages, so yeah. <laughs> I don't know right about them. They make it pull And then I don't know WWF sort of dark match tryout on third of October ninety one and he wrestled Brian Maxine at the Battle Royal at Albert Hall in London. So he's ninety one, what is it, this age, twenty three and he's already wrestling at Albert Hall, so he's obviously got a big future ahead of him. Two months after that, another American company come calling for him, WCW. Uh, he wrestled on their UK tour against Terence Taylor, Jimmy Garvin, who I believe was, was the NW, NWA champion at some point, Giant Haystacks, and Oz, or Kevin Nash, something like that. So wow. they brought him in there with some pretty big people. And then in 1992, he signed with Bill Watts to join WCW, Made his debut on January the 30th, 1993, on Saturday night, beating Bob Cook, who also didn't have a Wikipedia pitch, so <laughs> not to give some facts about that. Bob Cook. But before we sort of do a quick run through his WCW career, we'll go to our first match. This match was one of my picks, and it is Regal against Sting at the Great American Bash 1996. So basically, Regal decides he's not getting enough credit from the people in charge of WCW, so he thinks, I'm going to call out the biggest guy in WCW, so the big face, Sting. They have a contract signing, Regal obviously slaps him. <laughs> and then they have a match at the Great American Bash, which went on third to third to last, so a pretty big um, pretty big position on, on the card. Um, it was a good match. I mean, this, is, this is one of my favourite Regal matches, so I'll just do a quick run through. It comes out accompanied by Jeeves, because they're part of the Blue Bloods. And interestingly, in the Blue Bloods, the original idea was to get John Paul Levesque, also mm. known as Triple H, but he left for WWE. So it's interesting that right at the start of Regal's American career, he was linked with Triple H, and then now he's working for Triple H. Have I... I can't remember if I've read this right. Did he not, even though he was working for WCW, tell Triple H you're better off in WWF? I feel like I've seen that anecdote. I feel like somebody did. I don't, I'm not sure if it was yeah. Regal. But yeah, the others in Blue Bloods are Dave Taylor and Bobby Eaton, which I was surprised at. Famous tag team wrestler Bobby Eaton. It's a great match. Rob, I believe you've got some things to say about... Sorry, Rob. Who's Rob? I've done it again, are they? Who's Rob? <laughs> you're talking about yeah. our producer. Yeah, our producer. Our producer, Rob Earl, he's not here today, though. Yeah. Actually, we just got Terry Peters instead. Terry Peters, you've got something to say about a certain referee styling, I believe. <laughs> it's another week, ladies and gentlemen. It's bloody mullet watch. <laughs> Absolute quality mullet on show here by Randy Anderson. Friend of the show. 
<laughs> Christ. Um, God. Possibly my favourite mullet so far. Yeah, he, he outdoes his other one from, was it Uncensored 96 when we covered his mullet? Well, this is oh. it. This is only a couple of months later. Just yeah. got it out. He wasn't a spring stampede with the mullet, was he? I don't think so. No, no he, he had short hair, didn't he? He looks yeah. like a totally different person in this compared to what he did at Uncensored Night. Well, that's it, because I, so I, I, I did some research on this, and apparently Dusty Rhodes fell into one side and went, Hey, Randy Anderson, looking a bit too much like Sean Penn. Gonna go out the mother, so he did, and that's what happened. He does look like and Sean And then Penn. he turned into Bill Murray. And then, yeah, and he doesn't look like Bill Murray. But again, there's a Bill Murray vibe going on, so he did, and that's what happened. Yeah. It's a good match. They go 16 minutes, there's some absolutely great heel work by Regal. He riles the crowd up. There's one bit where he jumps out the ring and just for like two minutes has a go at the crowd. I know I said that was that was a classic WCW trap at the time. Yeah. Just getting <laughs> out to join, join with the crowd. His facials are great in that as well. I, Absolutely is, brilliant. For me, why I like this match so much is it shows me obviously he's against Sting, so it's a bit easier, but Regal just does not want to be liked. He's not bothered yeah. whether he's liked or so. So he's a hundred percent pure heel and the crowd which is hating him <laughs> all the way through absolutely hating him obviously he's against a massive baby face in Sting who the crowd absolutely loves so it's easier to do but there's something that Regal carried on throughout his career he, he just yeah he don't care he don't he don't want to be that because it's quite it's, it's something that annoys me these days where the heel wants to be a cool heel NWO sort of or where where the cool guys where the bad guys were cool and Regal just does not care <laughs> absolutely Lou what did we think of Regal vs Sting. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this match. The more I thought about it, the more it was just a classic, almost paint by the numbers, heel versus baby face. But I think because so both competitors were so good at what they were doing, it didn't seem like that. Yeah. And I did think, considering this was against Sting at the Great American Bash, Regal, it was all just, it was all about Regal. I've brought that match, it, was like, it kind of put yeah. Regal over. It kind of it looked good in defeat. This is like a classic of like, you know, you look, you don't need to win. Every match, like every every like every time now, a young up and comer loses to a more established star. It's like oh they got buried, like yeah. oh so and so got buried. It's like oh you need to win, but I I think you absolutely do not. Like this probably did more for Regal losing. You know if he got a cheap win, he got a bit bit of heat on, but he actually showed that he could go toe to toe with Sting, and just came like agonizingly close to winning. And yeah, I, I agree with you that Regal just does not care about being liked. It's probably not getting any match sales. I don't think WCW had any match sales at this point anyway, when you listen to Bischoff. So yeah. it didn't really matter anyway. Um and I think that does that does make a difference. Like if you're if you're a heel wrestler getting paid, you know, a cut of merchandise, you don't you are not gonna want people to hate you because you need to you know, you can't go to an indie show and get everyone piss off everyone piss off everyone that much because you need to buy your stuff at the end of the, yeah, the show. It's true. But yeah, so it's a it's a lost art kind of thing that the only person who does it now really is, is Baron Corbin. Um and I'm not really comparing Regal to Baron Corbin because Regal's obviously a lot better wrestler. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's any surprises there that, that William Regal's a better wrestler than Baron Corbin. But he's the only type of person now who who just doesn't care. Possibly MJF in AEW as well. Yeah. Just get that get that heat straight away. But yeah, I thought considering like, you know, it's against Sting at the Great American Bash, at the 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 very end of the surface Sting character, because at the NWO formed like a month later. He had the long sort of black yeah. hair already. Didn't yeah, he? he started growing it out, and you could tell like his tights were getting a bit. He was very similar to Crow Sting when I thought actually. Yeah. You always think he was just going from like flat top bleach blonde Sting to Crow Sting like in a week. But obviously yeah. there's a transition period. But yeah, considering all that, 
this was very much a showcase match for Regal on one of WCW's biggest shows, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, Terry Peters, uh, thoughts on the, on the American Bash match? I really enjoyed this, actually. I, th- I thought, I've not watched this match before, so I was quite interested to see, and to see him go, like Lou said, toe-to-toe with Sting, was quite, re- quite impressive, really. And again, it just shows how good of a wrestler he actually is, and the work that he can do with the psychology that he can put into a match. And I, I just thought they had some really, really good chain wrestling in there as well. Unbelievable stuff for me. Absolutely unbelievable heel work. Yeah, it was great. It's a good um, you know They always say that like, if you're going to be a, a, a young, up-and-coming wrestler, watch this match for psychology. But I agree with you, Lou. I thought it was a perfect babyface versus heel match. Yeah, when you looked at it, even like the ending was just like a classic comeback sequence and then a babyface wins. I liked how Regal got the knees up on a stinger slash there. Yeah. Um, so there's a little bit of a twist. But it was just, it was so paint by the numbers, but at the same time, absolutely, it's like paint by the numbers, but then you put like, like the Mona Lisa or something at the end of it. It was, they made like a simple formula look really good. This was yeah. a match when I alluded to about influencing it, reminded me very Pete Dunne-esque with the joint manipulation, things like that. And if, to me, if anyone who is, would be looking to improve their wrestling skills as a non-wrestler. I would suggest maybe looking at this match as a way to do that because I think it it's just there. Everything that I think you need in a wrestling match is there. Obviously, yeah. I know my opinion isn't held in high regard or whatsoever. Whoa, whoa, but... whoa, 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 whoa. Wrestling around. You know what? You know what I mean. Um, but I I think this this is a match to watch to to take notes and learn from. Yeah, I think you can, um, as you said about Pete Dunne, you can definitely see a lot of William Regal in Pete Dunne. Very similar, aren't they, in the way they do it. Sting wins by the Scorpion Deathlock. They go 16 minutes. A great match, and I think this highlights Regal at his heelish best. Interestingly, um, we don't use associate Regal with heel, don't you? He's a sort of eternal heel. But when he was first brought in, they wanted to push him as a baby first. Good run in WCW. He held the TV title four times. He, uh, he beat Lex Luger for it. He beat Ricky Steamboat for it. He uh, defended it against David Boy Smith, Axel Jim Duggan, Dean Malenko, Lumo Dragon. So he's wrestles with all the. Uh, sorry, Peters just was had lost all his hair. And <laughs> what's going on there? What's happening? I'm too hot. <laughs> it's too hot. <laughs> Christ. Oh God, that is hideous. <laughs> oh. I don't know what's about. Back to bloody Regal. Terry Peters is, is, is uh, for those of you uh, who can't see at home, uh, Terry Peters is, uh, has pushed what's, what's left of his hair back. <laughs> don't go too rough with it. It'll all come off. <laughs> don't grow back thick anymore. But wait, what was I say? Regal's running WCW Christ. This is even earlier than normal. <laughs> yeah, at one point in WCW, he had a... A best of five series with Ric Flair, where he won one, he lost two, and drew two. So, you know, it went pretty close with their sort of French guys player. He would leave WCW, though, in 1998. And our next match that we watched is one of Lou's pick. If you believe all the reports, is the reason why. Lou, you picked Regal vs Goldberg uh, on WCW Nitro, 9th of February 1998. Why do you think this is a, a classic Regal match? <laughs> It's it's not so much the match itself, but the story behind it is intriguing. So for those of you who have not seen it, obviously we'll, we'll put the match dates in the description so everyone can can follow on what we're, what we're reviewing. 
at this point, Goldberg is having one or two minute squash matches. And then all of a sudden, Regal takes him six minutes and stretches him. And coincidentally, it was Regal's last match. Now, if if you read the reports, either Regal did this just to, just out of spite, far right, I'm just going to stretch his young kid. But Regal to this day maintains that he was asked to go out and do a five or six minute competitive match, and that's what he gave him. But you can tell you can tell the commentators are a bit confused about what's going on. Yeah. So. Goldberg, this is really early on, so this is there, yeah, February '98. Goldberg had debuted on September in 24th, 22nd of September '97. He had his first pay per view match at Starcade in December of '97. So, what we like two months after his first pay per view match, <laughs> he gets a lot of offense in, doesn't he? And you can see Goldberg getting visibly more annoying. Yeah, I <laughs> honestly, Goldberg genuinely looks like he's going to cry at the end. He doesn't know what to do. No. Because he'd not even spent long in power plant, I think. I think he'd only I been there about a year. I was say, I think he was fast track, wasn't he? Peters, what did, what did you make of uh, Regal Goldberg? A, a classic? Five stars? I wouldn't say it was a classic five star, but to me, <laughs> it, it showed the versatility that Regal has, that he can go with anyone, any shape or size or different styles. I think it also <laughs> highlighted the limitations of Goldberg. I know this is for a separate thing, but I think it just shows to me how good Regal actually is in the fact that he can go with someone like Goldberg, who is a big, strong powerhouse, and then just technical wrestling. And Goldberg doesn't really seem to know what to do either. And uh, there's a swinging net breaker, and it just looks absolutely abysmal. I think he sort of just missed, almost. Yeah, not good for me. Poor on Goldberg as well. I think this is a, an advert why you shouldn't promote wrestlers too early. So the story is, to use like sort of a similar example, Brock Lesnar, they wanted to get him like a year earlier. And Jim Ross said, no, stay in. He's got to stay in. Um, was it FCW at the time? Was it? OVW. OVW. And I think that's obviously when Lesnar came in within like a year, he's having excellent matches with Angle. Obviously, Lesnar's a freak, but you do think if Goldberg had stayed in training, maybe gone somewhere else for another year, 18 months, he could have still had this great run. But this wouldn't have happened to him, but it sort of highlights WCW, doesn't it? They think about the now and not the future. So, yeah, <laughs> if you believe the reports, that match got rid of Regal. <laughs> he didn't have another yeah. match in WCW. <laughs> That's his last match. On a whole, Lou, you're the resident WCW guy here. What are your thoughts on, on Regal's sort of run in WCW? Yeah, I didn't really watch him much at the time, so his, his entire run... Because he goes back for a bit, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that in a second, yeah. Yeah, afterwards. Um, I've just realised I've, I've missed a good point about WCW and Regal. I think it was in the other match, actually, the Great American Bash match. But Tony Schiavone was very confused by Sunshine. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Regal keeps calling him Sunshine. What does that mean? It's certainly a shiny light of WCW. <laughs> Which is considered such a, really, a normal British um, colloquialism. Yeah. I was amazed that Tony Schiavone didn't know that. But yeah, I can just imagine now Regal going, yes, I'll, I'll tell you something, Sunshine. <laughs> and Tony Schiavone had literally no idea what it means. <laughs> So that's that's my big take from Regal's entire WCW run is Tony Shivani, confused by Sunshine. Tony Shivani didn't understand him. 
is released in I think it's the April of uh, of ninety eight. He then joins WWF on uh, the 29th of June nineteen ninety eight as his first, as his debut match. He's got a bit of a different gimmick here. This is where he's a man's man. <laughs> he's a man, such a man. Great this, theme song. This is a. <laughs> this is a Russo Oliver. So the sort of gimmick is is a man's is a man's man, and he's like squeezing his own juice, and he's chopping wood, and he's wearing like checkered lumberjack shirts. Uh, I seem to remember one time he comes out with a builder's hat on as well. Yeah, he's got the the denim like tight denim jeans and stuff, hasn't he? It's got a little denim shorts on it, from what I remember. Yeah. <laughs> After he squeezes his own orange juice, it's sort of that satisfaction look that he gives that you know that the meme of the kid at the internet on the computer who sticks his thumbs up and shakes his head yeah. he looks like that again ahead of his time <laughs> it doesn't really go that well for him his first run in wwf so he debuted in june 98 and april 99 he's been released i think he's suffering from a pretty horrendous uh, drugs problem at this point is this i think it's bruce pritchard says he falls asleep in one of his meetings with Vince McMahon one of his, his job interviews yeah it's it's outstanding when you hear the the stories it's outstanding that he, he managed to get a job it, yeah somehow to be honest but yeah I think he was not in a good place at all at this point. Um, so he's released in in April 99 he then rejoins WCW his debut is at the Bash at the Beach uh, on July the 11th 99 he's in the first ever hardcore invitational in in WCW, it's not something you'd associate Regal with. <laughs> I'd call wrestling, but he's not there long either. He's then again released in uh, February 2000 after he lost a career best career match against uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Not even wow. on a main, not even on a Nitro. It was on like a Saturday night or whatever it was. Wow, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Was this when he was Canadian? I don't know. Yeah, in the Hacksaw Jim Duggan episode. <laughs> sure I, did, I did know that was a thing. Is it, is it Jim he turned on America and joined Team Canada. Yeah. Oh, really? I did not know yeah. that. <laughs> there you go, Canadian Jim Duggan. That was like that was my first impression of, of Jim Duggan. Right? So when I saw him come back in the WWE later on, I was like, wait, this guy's American, loves the US. Because <laughs> he was a fully fledged Canadian in WCW. Right, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's released in, in February. He returns to WWF, but this time they don't send him straight in. He gets sent to Memphis Championship Wrestling. Which is that um, Lawler's company, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Lawler was quite heavily involved in that, wasn't he? Uh, Lawler and uh, is it Jerry Jarrett? One of the Jarretts. I don't know, I don't know who the other person is. Yes, Jerry, yeah. yeah. And then he finally re-debuts on Raw in 18th of September 2000. This is a sort of a weird time. Because he becomes the commissioner of the WWF, so sort of what a lot of fans may sort of recognise Regal for is being an authority th- figure. He's the commissioner of the WWF. He then turns heel and defects to the Alliance. There is some great stuff with Tajiri. This is <laughs> the commissioner of the WWF. So this is like this maybe the start of some of his comedy wrestling, you know, sort of the comedic character of, of Regal. Interestingly, he's the first ever member of the Kiss My Ass Club, Vince McMahon's Kiss My Ass. Yeah, was this when he, because he became commissioner of the Alliance. Yes, and then when the Alliance lost, he had to kiss Vince McMahon's ass to come back. Yeah. But I mean, this is the thing about, you know, saying Regal will do anything for the comedy. Like, he doesn't care. Yeah. And they said this in interviews before. It's like, you know, why do you care if uh, you're making a fool of yourself? You're an actor. Like, it's you know, true. If, if the role 
if they're all called for it, he'll he'll do it. He likes the he likes the comedy. So he he farms the the Un Americans. Not many people associate Regal with the Un Americans. You think of Christian and Test and Lance Storm, but actually Regal's in it. And he even wins the tag team titles, I think, twice with Lance Storm. One of the times he beats Booker T and Goldust, and when we do a Booker T episode, there's <laughs> some great vignettes that I'll be adding <laughs> from Booker T and Goldust. He's sort of a bit of a tag team sort of champion at this point. He's, he wins them again with Eugene. Uh, Eric Bischoff makes him look after his, his nephew, as well as sort of general manager of Raw. He wins them with Tajiri, so he's carrying that on. That's not... I thought that was earlier on, but it's after the commissioner bit. It's around the time ECW comes back, isn't it? Because they, they yeah. split up because he decided to be in the anti-ECW anti faction. Yes, he does. Jerry obviously went back to ECW. And then, so I'd come into 2006, he starts teaming with a certain Paul Birchill. <laughs> Paul Birchill wants to be a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> he was... A- he was basically a rip-off of Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, Jack Sparrow, wasn't he? That, that is what it was. He says he's, he's, like, he's traced his like lineage back to is it Goldbeard or something. Like, not even a real pirate. I just remember it being a completely bollocks gimmick apart from this little bit with Regal. So, yeah, Paul, Regal... Paul Birchall had so much potential as well. Yeah. Oh, God, his yes. finisher, just on a side note, that finisher, I think it... <laughs> I think C4. it was called Walt the Blank. It, it was the C4. Yeah. What a finisher that is, by the way. Yeah. That yeah. is incredible. I remember at the time, he was being touted as the first British world champion. That's yeah. how, really, how really highly rated he was here, at least. I think he was at um, Frontier Championship Wrestling down south and won PW right. for a bit. Um, but he was like... When British wrestling at the time was very quiet and it wasn't a lot going on. I was going to say, it, was a, big, it wasn't known, was a big was it? Star of it? It wasn't like it is now. But yeah, it's the equivalent of like pirate. Pete Dunn as a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that too loud. <laughs> yeah. Um, bringing, bringing Will Ospreay we'll and that. Pirate, okay. oh, yeah. Virtual's yeah. sort of under Regal's like wing. He then says he wants to be a pirate. Obviously, Regal's not happy about this. <laughs> he said, what, what else you want to be a pirate for? <laughs> You'd have sword, I imagine he says. You'd have sword. <laughs> can't be a bloody um, pirate, lad. Sunshine. So they have a match, and if Regal wins, Paul Betchel can't be a pirate. If Paul Betchel wins, he's a pirate. If Paul Betchel wins, they then have another match where they have like a bet. So if Regal loses to Paul Betchel, he has to dress up as, as a buxom wench until Paul Betchel loses again. This is Terry Peters' first pick of his uh, favourite non, non-match non moment of, of William Regal. Regal just was a buxom wench. So there's a there's a match between Birchill and uh, just like a jobber Rashid Brown. Birchill comes in on swing, does his swinging entrance. Regal then has a go at the swinging entrance, <laughs> but he's got a big blonde wig on. Is it? Cole says he looks like Dolly Parton. <laughs> he's got the big fake boobies, hasn't he? The high heels, the, the big long dress. He can't stand though. Terry Peters, why is this one of your favourite Regal moments? <laughs> Again, it's just the complete stupidity of it. As soon as you said we're picking moments, I wanted to get it in that this was mine because I would have been so disappointed if I could not have picked it. I know this was from April 2006 and it still sticks in my mind all these years later just of how funny this actually is. And watching it again, it is amazing. Just him coming down, falling all over the place, not being impressed at all by being dressed as a buxom wench. And then after the match... 
Paul Virtual wants him to link arms, and the face that Regal pulls is just of pure disgust and reluctance before doing it because he realizes that Virtual's won the match. It's just incredible stuff. If you've got a spare, I think it was about an eight-minute segment including the match. If you've got a spare eight minutes in your day, just Google it and watch it, and you will be happy. So that's yeah, the April fourteenth episode, two thousand six of, uh, of SmackDown on the find it on the network. Yeah, so they have a match, Bertrand and Machine Brown. So Regal obviously wants Bertrand to lose, so he doesn't have to be a books and wench anymore. So he gets the brass knucks, which is <laughs> a weird visual. He's on the apron just as a books and wench, some brass knucks. He can't interfere at the end. He gets knocked off. Joe uh, wins with his, with his uh, walk the plank finishing move. Lou, Regal is a books and wench. Is, is it for you? It's outstanding stuff, isn't it? This is what we're <laughs> talking about Regal doing his comedy. Whoever was fighting SmackDown at this time there, bloody loved cross-dressing. Because this was around the same time Big Vito was... I was going to say Vito <laughs> was a cross-dresser, though, wasn't it? Is, it? is this Heyman? Or is Heyman gone by this point? I think it's... Heyman was... Heyman left to go to ECW, didn't he? Yeah, was, yeah. It, was it Stephanie McMahon at this point? Was she in the writing team? Or was it Michael Pierce Hayes? This was got, is this awesome. Michael Hayes? Yeah. Freddie Prince, like was yeah, Freddie Prince was... Junior around this time? Or was he just he on was raw? he was raw later on? Was he, he was, just like, raw? was later on? Yeah, he was around the uh, the Kevin Fedline era, I believe. Oh God! Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it was just yeah, it's classic Regal, and they bloody love this stuff, don't you, WWE? Because I I got conf- when when Peter's told us about this um, segment, I was picturing the Regal crossdresser, but it was a different time. It was when he was in a Las Vegas Showgirls match. <laughs> okay. The you know on the wrong I think it was on Raw Roulette. And the uh, he was having a match with someone and he spanned the wheel and it landed on Las Vegas Showgirls match because obviously. So he's like high heels and like a big feather feather and stuff. So I was I picturing that. Is he have lipstick on? Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah, 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 so But yeah, so yeah, I've never seen this one before. Uh it's available on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description of the podcast um so everyone can find it. But it's classic regal comedy, isn't it? It's it's good stuff. So uh, following on from this, interesting you, you mentioned Vito just cross dressing. There's a point where Regal and Vito are backstage. I don't have the date, but Regal like exposes himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is like a couple of weeks after this. So Regal's like he says one point in SmackDown he says that like, enough's enough. He used to be like a this like world revered wrestler. That was just a laughing stock. He he specifically mentions the books and wench, the Vito Exposure, <laughs> and he brings back with him one of his old WCW mates, Dave Taylor. He don't want to be a laughing stock, and they sort of transition into this no-nonsense, hard-hitting team. Which brings us on to our next match. Uh, this is my last match pick. Uh, it's the four-way ladder match at Armageddon 2006 between. Well, it's scheduled to be a regular tag match between London and Kendrick and Regal and Taylor. And then Teddy Long just comes out and says, yeah, it's Christmas and I'm in a <laughs> given mood. This is going to be a ladder match. And the crowd are like, oh, my God. And then he just says, ah, oh, screw it. Here's Eminem and the Hardys. <laughs> holla, holla, holla. I don't even think either of them were on SmackDown at the time. No, so the, the backstory to this one is, this was a couple of two weeks after December to Dismember. Which was terrible. Which was terrible. And apparently this was like a makeup for that. Right. So because that was just such a shit pay-per-view and he wanted to get the fans back on side, they put it on because Eminem and the Hardys face each other in the only good match of, of December to Dismember. 
right at the beginning. Um, I don't think any of them were on ECW at the time. Matt Hardy goes on ECW, isn't he? He, do, he goes there eventually, but I think at the time... He was on ECW at one point as well, wasn't he? Yeah, they, they ended Hydra, up there. Sorry, is at this point. Yeah, they ended up there, but I think... Because it's specifically mentioned that Eminem were on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the same for the Hardys as well. So that's why they ended up on ECW, because Paul Heyman was like, oh, we'll give you a neutral ground to settle your scar. Right. But then they brought him into this match just because the ECW pay-per-view was so terrible, they wanted to make it up to the people who bought the event. This was a pretty, yeah, sort of like a sleeper pay-per-view, really, because there's an infernal match between Eminem and Kane. MVP. MVP. So, yeah, yeah, MVP and Kane. That's the first match, isn't it, as well? Yeah, what what weird first match that is. Is it a last-man-standing match, or is it another big match between Undertaker Mm. and Mr. Kennedy? Was it a casket match? Oh, last ride match or something, where he puts him in a house. Something... There was a big match. I remember that. I remember yeah. the build up when we, but this was wasn't one of the ones we could get on Sky. I don't think. No, it wasn't. What was it? No. It wasn't remember, one of the. It wasn't one of the free ones. It was on pay per view. I think. Yeah, this was. I remember watching at this time though. So I, I remember the storylines. Remember that? Well. I, have to, I have to pay fifteen quid every time to, you want to watch. It's gone up to twenty five now. Wow. Because it's yeah. HD. It went up to like nineteen ninety five, and then yeah. it's. Two. But America's like sixty dollars, isn't it? It's the same. Get the network. It's one, madness, isn't it? The only pay-per-view I ever paid for, apart from Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, was Vengeance Night of the Champions, the first one, when every Ooh. title was on the line. That's the sort of subject that. Yeah, that I, know, I know it is now, but that's the first one I ever paid for. I remember watching that one live. Um, we'll get to that at some point, probably. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. So this ladder match is pretty famous for one spot. Uh, Joey Mercury gets his face ripped off. <laughs> oh, he's bad. This is absolutely brutal, and it doesn't make Matt Hardy look very good, I don't think. What gets me is, Michael Cole goes, Joey Mercury may have a broken nose. What an understatement that is from I'm, Michael Cole. The I'm surprised he's out of his face. I was surprised his nose was still attached to his face. I so. don't think it was, to be honest. Jeez. So, so what happens is, Eminem set up a ladder, so there's a ladder opened up on its side and then they've got another ladder in the middle with the legs. Almost like a seesaw. Yeah, like a seesaw. They've got Matt Hardy has Eminem in both hands over the legs of the ladder and Jeff Hardy jumps on the ladder seesaws and it hits them in the face or supposed to go near the face but it absolutely takes Dory Mercury's face off. Oh, yeah. Uh, that that seems up straight away as well, doesn't it? Oh, the blood on the mat is oh, it's inc- just awful. And they showed it about five times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just around the ring as well, isn't it? Because there's a yeah, it's it's all on the mats and everything. There's a, a point where Jeff Hardy lands in it. Yeah, he lands in a in a pile of a pool of uh, Joe Mercury's blood. But yeah, I don't think Joe Mercury ever really recovered career wise. It's part of um, J&J security for exactly, exactly. And then he was then now he just tweets stuff about Ring of Honor. He went into um, he did go backstage, didn't he? He was a producer. I think he went into rehab not long after this as well, didn't he? And, yeah. then, and I think this was sort of one of the, the peaks of that, unfortunately, for him. And then, obviously, it led to his release as no, well. No, it wasn't long after. straight edge society for a bit, actually. He came back, didn't he? Yeah. He, he, was, he was under a mask, and then when he finally got revealed, everyone was like, well, why have you kept this a secret? Joe Mercury. Shit. Yeah, and we and just appreciate his uh, dreadlocks as well. Good dreadlocks. I, mean, I love them and him. <laughs> I like them and him. I like the, the fair jackets they had, and they had those sort of LED... Like belt buckle things in them yeah. that you used to be able to put messages in. Incredible stuff. Apparently, yeah. I was I was like 15, so I just like 
little interventions. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, Vince didn't uh, like him because he didn't like Nitro. So he never he wanted him to change it, and Johnny Nitro wouldn't change it. That's, that's why, why he never he was, got behind him. He was he was he was Bischoff's assistant, though. I wonder why he was called Johnny Nitro in the first place. Yeah, but then when that finished, Vince yeah. wanted to change it. Oh, this is according to I don't. It's never been confirmed. This is according to John Morrison himself. Wow. And then there was gonna there was gonna have him change his name every week, cosmo, but he stuck with John Morrison. Like he does now. Yeah. Johnny, Johnny Impact, Johnny Munda. Boone the bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's some other pretty decent spots in this. There's a bit where I forgot about this. There's a Joey Maker's on top of this before he gets his face ripped off. He's on top of the ladder and the hard isn't in the cage. He picked the ladder up and walk into the edge of the ring. Oh, that was brilliant. <laughs> Just tipped him out on top of uh, Johnny Nitro. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of spots you don't see. So there's the one where Jeff Hardy's on a ladder outside the ring, about to jump in, and Johnny Nitro kicks the ladder away. That's the that's the one where he ends up in like the he just lands yeah. in the pool of blood. Yeah, and uh, a great match, and you know? with the talent involved, you expect that, aren't you? So you've got obviously young London and Kendrick who look very young here. So I had a look. I think they're both about 27 at the time. Brian Kendrick looks a lot younger than that. <laughs> he, he's, no, I think, I think they're both about forty-one now, forty something like that. It just shows right. how young they actually were at the time. I just can't think of Paul London without seeing him like smiling. You know, yeah. Yeah. I really liked Paul London. I really <laughs> liked his tag team as well. Why did he think, do it though? Uh, I don't. Chasing <laughs> gigs. Ruined his career, especially at a time when there was no real viable competition to go to. It's just you, you do that. You do that now. You sign like a multi-million dollar contract for AEW the week after. Yeah. But at the time, oh my god, so what, was he, what was he doing? They had so much potential. These two, they were great. And I, I also like uh, Brian Kendrick when he became the Brian Kendrick. Yes. I know he's still plays the character now, but when he first started it, it was brilliant stuff. Yeah. So you've also got you've got obviously the Hardys who were ladder experts. You've got um, Eminem. Who... They say that, but in case. I don't think the Hardys are ladder experts at all. No, because they don't win any of them, do they? They never win. They never <laughs> win. Yeah. Michael Cole does say that, doesn't he? He does say the Hardys have been in so many ladder matches, but he never he stops himself yeah, from saying how many they've won. Because they never win. Yeah, you've also got Johnny Nitro, who's sort of like more athletic than I think he gets credit for. Yeah, some of his money in the bank performances later on. Well, here's that moonsault lies on the ladder. Yeah. yeah. You've obviously then you've got Regal and Taylor who are the sort of <laughs> out, but then they brought their own thing to it. Then they were the sort of ground and pound, and they just oh, the sickening, the sickening suplex that uh, Regal did on Paul London, I think, to the ladder yeah. in the corner. Yeah. Jesus Christ, how does and, that not hurt? And the the bump that Regal took at the end of the match from Brian Kendrick. Yeah. I know it didn't look. I know sort of Kendrick botched it a bit, but that is still a big bump to take. It's um. It's, I thought one of the reasons I like this ladder match so much is because they do a lot of original stuff. How many times have you seen the same things in ladder matches? You see them all the time, all the time. What I liked as well is when Regal's scared to climb the ladder. You can yes. up <laughs> and then become scared of heights and send Dave Taylor up. In. <laughs> but then, but then climbs the ladder later. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. London and Kendrick retain the titles. It's a shame, really, that Regal and Taylor never, never won the tag titles. I thought they would be quite. They would probably fit quite well, and now they were like controversial. Take this, the revival before the revival. Oh, interesting take. Yeah. Where do you not they, think 
old school wrestlers and they, they don't do the fancy stuff. They're just too hard, mate. Blokes will beat people up. I just I don't remember him winning a lot backstage. <laughs> <laughs> Killing your own career. <laughs> Sorry, internet. You could have got 800 grand. <laughs> uh, I mean, if it is true what they were going to wear, though, but I don't buy that for a second. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, onto the revival. You've got to realise that if you're a tag team wrestler, you've got a ceiling. Yeah. You, you, tag teams aren't going to main event WrestleMania in the pay-per-views. They might do on the bigger indie shows, but they're not going to main event WWE, is what it is. Unless it's two big stars. Yeah. Unless they're not actual tag teams, but I agree with that. As much as you like tag team wrestling, tag team wrestling is mid-card opener, isn't it? Well, WWE don't value it really anyway, do they? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's got its place, but I don't think it's ever, for the most part, it's unless it's like two established main event stars anyway. It's not going to main event pay per views. It's going to be at that that mid card level. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, like you know, back in the Attitude Era, we all really loved like the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, the Hardy Boys. It's you you can get over and you can get to a certain point being a tag team wrestler for sure. But you're not going to main event WrestleMania as a tag team. Well, look at the New Day. Yeah, they've done all the. Can, you can do with that. they're not that's it yeah they're not career, are they? yeah they're big stars they're big they're big stars then just i don't yeah I, I don't know like i kind of got the revival's point to an extent like okay fair enough you leave like if that's gonna happen but i think this whole thing of like oh we really don't value tag team they never have them like everyone always wants to see big singles matches like it's just the way it is but what are they gonna do now sign for aw and then fight the unbooks and that's it done jericho yeah. still gonna be jericho and ambrose are gonna be at the top of the card Oh, Luke Harper now. So, oh, Luke, well, uh, do, do, think, you're still going to have... It's called John Moxley. Uh, John, John Moxley. John Moxley and Brody Lee. I was just fine. If we're going to wind up the internet, we might as well carry on. <laughs> might as well do it properly. <laughs> but, yeah, I, like, I like some AEW stuff. Like that, that brawl that he had on, on Wednesday night looked wild. I can't oh, the golf cart looked incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, completely unsafe given the current circumstances. Uh, yeah, but... Incredible, all the same. Do you notice, just on a side note before we get back to Regal, do you notice that Jake the Snake came out with a, a face mask on, like, to cover his mouth and nose, and then just took it off? Just don't come out with it. Stupid. <laughs> there we go. He's right up, Red-ass beaters. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the, the lot of match. So, uh, after this, they don't win. Regal and Taylor split up. But Taylor's not there. Right one. I don't remember think uh, Regal gets, Regal gets drafted, doesn't he? And then yeah. Taylor, Dave Taylor was Drew McIntyre's mentor for a bit, but he didn't go anywhere. I mean, Dave Taylor just looks old at this point, didn't he? As well, I think he, he probably like, was old, wasn't he? Dad, but I mean, yeah, Regal still kicked my ass now. <laughs> probably, uh, Regal's drafted to Raw, and then um, the episode Raw episode August the sixth. Of or seven is a big episode for two reasons. Regal wins a battle royal to become GM, so he was he was acting GM for Coachman. Coachman's not coming back. He's uh, he wins the battle royal to become the GM, and this is the same night as our next pick. <laughs> this is Lou, this is Lou's next pick, the Raw dating game. Lou, <laughs> I will let you. You've seen this more times than I think you've seen anything else. <laughs> oh my God, this is my favorite. Favorite non-wrestling segment. Probably why? Favorite segment. <laughs> why is the raw dating game your favorite, probably segment of all time? <laughs> uh, it's just absolutely hilarious. 
So you've got you've got numerous things. You've got Regal being quite a dry sense of humour, very dry. You've got yeah, Hacksaw's been Hacksaw. He's there. Did you notice Ronson, a bit of wood had a tie on it? Amazing stuff. Yeah, amazing stuff. And then you've got Ron Simmons being Ron Simmons, but he actually expands. So Ron Simmons will be doing this for a good six months at least now. The whole damn. He came back for Cena, didn't he? Like after for Cena promo, he just said damn. Yeah, it was because Booker T, or King Booker at the time, said Kevin Federline's rap album was one of the best albums he's ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron Simmons just came out. He said, damn. And then he started this and it was just like absolutely amazing. I found it absolutely hilarious. Still do. We should do it now. I almost bought that damn T-shirt that he had as well. well <laughs> Ron, Ron Simmons is a uh, man and Peter's close personal friend. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah man. Yeah. Lovely bloke. Lovely bloke. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Good lad. And then it also had the, what people forget, it had the breakout comedy performance of Santino Morella. Yeah, this was really early on in his this career. Was, so this was, before this, he was the Milan Miracle. Yeah. And he was dating Maria as a baby face. And then he got beat up by Umaga and everyone cheered Umaga. Oh, sorry. Umaga! Because it's Regal. <laughs> the Regal episode. And then, yeah, so this was like the first time that he'd actually turned. This is basically a heel turn for Santino Morello as well, which gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Uh, but it was absolutely, honestly, it's just hilarious. It's like, I know that everyone nowadays kind of, kind of shits on anything that's not just pure wrestling. But you need this stuff in WWE. And yes, Regal is a talented wrestler, but he was not absolutely, he wasn't wasted doing this at all. It was just great stuff. Well, he's not wrestling in was he? He's- yeah. GM. So. Yeah. I just love Sometimes the premise of it. It just goes, oh, I'd like to be, I'd really like to be a game show host. But that's, that's all there is to it. Sometimes you need to be a wrestler either to get over, do you? Like, hey, how, I mean, Teddy Long, he, he, he came into his own as GM, didn't he? Do you, do you know what I mean? So the, this is all, another bit of a slice of Regal, which makes him incredible. The fact that he can do two separate roles so well. The on screen stuff of a wrestler and the on screen stuff of a personality of a GM or a commissioner. I always think, why, you know, when people don't like doing comedy stuff, I always think, look at Kurt Angle, one of the best wrestlers of all time, without a doubt. Yet his stuff with Stone Cold with a little cowboy hat <laughs> and the Jimmy Crack is hilarious. And the, <laughs> stuff, the stuff with Shawn Michaels, which is incidentally, yeah. I've had this song in my head. I'm just, just a sexy, a sexy cat. cat. I'll make your ankle hurt. Incredible. <laughs> if if Kurt Angle can act daft with a little cowboy heart and Stone Cold as well, these are like two of the most biggest stars of all time. Then you know anybody can do it. And the milk truck. Yeah, it's just that that would be my argument to anybody who says, "Oh no, I'm a serious wrestler. I can't do this comedy stuff." But Kurt Angle, did the comedy sketches all didn't see in in the back ones when he said about all the Canaanites. Oh, that's great. That's a, a, yeah, when we do Kane. one of the greatest segments of all time. Yeah, yeah when we do Kane, that's my segment when it, with, with The Rock and Hogan, because he says, it doesn't matter. What you... <laughs> and Goldust, when he once randomly had his foot in a toilet as well, for some reason. Incredible stuff that he's done as well. And we mentioned Goldberg earlier, but there's a hilarious bit. I don't think Goldberg knew it was going to happen, where Goldust puts a wig on him. <laughs> <laughs> and Goldberg absolutely flips his lid. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the broad dating game, it's a, it's a blind date, <laughs> basically. We've got Hexar, Jim Duggan, Ron Simmons and Santina Morella are eligible bachelors. And then Maria comes out with a... I forgot how American Pie-esque music was. I love this song. 
I thought you would straight away. I thought you would. <laughs> I, I, I remember getting this on a CD, I think it was. some. I can't remember which CD it was. And just listening to it over and over again. And loved it. Bloody loved it. So, yeah, this, this like Lou said, this segment's got everything. These, these dick jokes. <laughs> Jim, Duggan, Jim Duggan says, and this didn't get picked up by the crowd, but Jim Duggan says he's got a big piece of wood. Regal goes, that's not what I heard. <laughs> I actually laughed out loud as well, like, for a good couple of minutes. I thought that was hilarious. What's but... this? Like, I have my shirt, my tie, and a massive piece of wood. <laughs> I don't know, maybe if that's English humour, though. More than American humour. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know because there is obviously quite a difference in the humour. But I, I thought I was absolutely. Yeah, awesome. my my favourite bits were definitely um, Regal's snide comments. So like yeah. when when Ron Simmons says "damn" and he just goes, "Oh, that's original." Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> great, great stuff. So yeah, so Maria's asking questions. So she asks one to Jim Duggan. She asks one to. And then she asks what Ron Simmons would cook for breakfast, and he says spam instead of damn. <laughs> I like nam as well. I thought that was great. Yeah. Santino's obviously not happy with this. He says it's a joke. But Maria Maddie. picks picks Ron Simmons anyhow. <laughs> Maria, it's me, Santino Morella. Stop. And if if you like this segment, the next the next week's Raw where they go on the date is hilarious as well. <laughs> So Ron Simmons has won. Santino says this is a joke. <laughs> it walks around the, the sort of like board. Ron Simmons obviously shouts scram at him <laughs> to get rid. <laughs> Before Yamanka comes out and everyone clears the ring. But we know why this is Lou's favourite segment. Dave Peters, what did you think of the, the raw dating game? I think you missed another one of the put downs that was brilliant. He, when he's introducing Santino, he goes, he was brutalised by Yamanka. The same way he brutalizes the English language. <laughs> um, yeah, as you could tell from the, the laughter I've just put out in this, incredible stuff again, unbelievable. Just it's just so simple but so funny. Like I said, I think the only thing that I don't know is because some of the crowd didn't pick up on maybe some of the jokes. Is it because it was more English humor than American humor? I don't know, but I thought the whole thing was hilarious. Another great choice. Possibly. I mean, this is what is it, the other week was going on about authority figures, and I picked this era of Regal as my favourite authority figure. This 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 segment is why. Yeah. Um, and this nicely runs off into my pick of my favourite segment. <laughs> so <laughs> it's happening on the 6th of August. Mine is happening at SummerSlam in August as well. Sort of a two part to this. So it's right in the middle of Vince McMahon's like illegitimate child. So we don't know it's Hornswoggle yet, so it's still quite interesting. <laughs> I think at this point it was probably still supposed to be Kennedy. Yeah. Kennedy. But backstage you've got the, the three GMs. So we've got Amanda Lestrade, who I forgot was ECW, Gerald Major. We've, we've got Teddy Long, Regal, Raw, and then Coach. It was like, is that Vince's assistant at this point? Isn't he? Yeah. So McMahon comes in. Because like, they're searching for his illegitimate child. So you get a few wrestlers say it might be them. So I think MVP comes in. And there's another wrestler, but I can't remember who. Is it I mean, Big Flair? Or is that on Raw? I think that's on Raw. When he worked out that Vince was like sexually active when he was 12. So he could have been Big Flair. There's, a, there's, another, there's another wrestler who Vince doesn't want it to be his. Oh, maybe Santino Morella. Santiago comes in because he's saying Vincent Vincenzo. <laughs> 
think Regal, even Regal at one point says it might be him. It might be somebody Regal. <laughs> but then Crime Time come in. <laughs> Crime Time's catchphrase at this point was money, money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're saying they could be Vince's illegitimate. Illegitimate sons, one of them, because they both like the money, money, yeah, yeah. And they're obviously just repeating this. And then for some reason, Tilo joins in. <laughs> and the sack went around in the circle. So money, money, yeah, yeah. Coach then joins in. And Regal's looking absolutely disgusted, the same as Vince McMahon. Until JTG of Crowd Time puts his cap on Regal. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Regal joins in. He does like a head wobble, doesn't he? Yeah. An incredible oh, head just, wobble. His face is just... I remember watching this one live. Yeah. Oh, his, his face is absolutely incredible. <laughs> so Regal's dancing around in the circle. Uh, everybody stops. <laughs> Regal's like, sort of doing his own sort of dance moves on the side. And then oh. the camera zooms out. And Ron Simmons is stood there. <laughs> and my favourite bit about this whole segment is... Obviously, Ron Simmons has been shouting damn for, like, months. He's the look on Regal's face, because he knows it's about to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so dejected, he takes his hat off. Uh, he, te- Ron... he sheepishly takes it off as well, doesn't he? Yeah. He, he it looks so ashamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he obviously gets the damn <laughs> on Ron Simmons. <laughs> it's just... Whenever I think of Regal, this is one of the first things that comes into my head. Because <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's glorious stuff. Just you know, you can do funny stuff and it works. Because this must have got Regal over. I can't remember. It was like 14 years ago, wasn't it? But it definitely got Regal over in my book. So it must have worked on somebody else. He goes a bit more serious after this. Well, maybe like a year later. Yeah, he wins the King of the Ring, 2008. That yeah, rejuvenated beats... his career a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, so they started getting back into the wrestling. So, but he does have a few, sort of like a mini feud with Triple H, because he's like screwing Triple H at points and then giving him, especially when I think Triple H is in DX at this point. Isn't he? Yeah, it gives him like because he's this is like the like you said it was the roulette or the roulette raw or something on it. Raw roulette. Raw yeah. roulette. Yeah, screwing Triple H out stuff. But yeah, he wins the 2008 King of the Ring. He beats Hornswoggle, uh, then Finlay, and then CM Punk, which I imagine everybody was really annoyed at. <laughs> that Regal beat CM Punk in the yeah, final. Yeah, because Regal had a really easy route, didn't he? Obviously, yeah. he beat Hornswoggle in the first match. And I think Finlay was already injured. Right. And if yeah, yeah that match was only like four minutes. Yeah. So he's, he's the King of the Ring, and then he, he lost a, a loser gets fired match against Mr. Kennedy. This is to cover up here. I think he failed the wellness plan. Went to rehab. Yeah, this is pretty disappointing because this is another point where we're talking bloody hell, Regal's going to go all the way to the championship because that storyline on Raw, he started, he was going mad with power basically. He started turning the lights off mid-main event and ended the match and he thought bloody hell, it's going to go somewhere. And there was a big scandal and there was about Eight or nine people who got suspended at the same time. I was going to say there's a lot of people, wasn't there, at one point? Yeah, and he, but he really seemed to derail Regal more than most because he wasn't. He was on his way up to a main event spot. He right. wasn't already in one, and his, his career never really got. Well, we'll go through it, but his career never really got to that height again. So he, two, was, he was in the main event scene of, of Raw. 2008. This would have been a, sort of around the Benoit tragedy, wasn't it? We've mentioned that was vengeance or eight, I think, wasn't it? The year after, I think it was seven. Yeah, it was seven. I, I think. Yeah. 
I think that's that's why they sort of changed the wellness policy, understandably. And then I think obviously what whatever had gone on that these people had or w- had been taking all the paperwork to do with it, obviously hadn't complied. And I think that's what led to these the big list of suspensions. So he's, he's fired from Raw. He then comes back after his uh, suspensions up and is a free agent. He wins the IC title. He's got he has a few fields to the US title, uh, especially with Kofi Kingston. <laughs> I think this is one of my favourite regal lines. Is it's the US title and he, he comes out. <laughs> I think it's Raw. Well, it might be SmackDown actually. And he says, uh, "The last thing we want when in the US title is a bloody Jamaican." <laughs> <laughs> Because this is Kofi Kingston's sort of when he was like even speaking Jamaican one. Yeah. <laughs> I just that line just gets me to the. <laughs> and after this, he's drafted to ECW. So this is around 2009, where he starts the uh, probably his, well, his first no, his second stable in, in WWE. The, the Ruthless Roundtable. So they've got uh, Vladimir Kozlov and Ezekiel Jackson. So he recruits Kozlov, comes number one contender for the ECW title. They're having a match against Christian. He's the ECW champion and Ezekiel Jackson. And Jackson then turns on Christian and they form the Ruthless Round Table. He's number one contender. He has his first match for the ECW title. He loses at SummerSlam in eight seconds. (laughs) He's not good, is it? (laughs) Oh, he's infuriating so much life. And then defeats Christian again in a non-title match on ECW to earn a rematch at breaking point, which is our next match, Terry Peters. Regal vs Christian for the ECW title at Breaking Point 09 is your pick. Why is this your this is your first match? Why is this the match that you like about Regal? I think this shows the highlight of both Christian and Regal, which is one why it's why I picked it. I think it shows to me the psychology that they both had in the ring and the chemistry that they both had. They they just they just connect in everything they do. I'm just disappointed that unfortunately it was on WCWE ECW rather than Aurora or SmackDown, but I think in this match there's a lot going on in it in terms of the technical wrestling again, and there's a, a running knee that Regal does to Christian, and it just looks unbelievable, like absolutely brutal. And then yeah. there's a Regal flex, the Regal plex, sorry, and again, I think he just drops him on his head. It's it's pretty yeah. Uh, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I've put a yeah, typical regal very stiff. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he, he reverses the kill switch, which I mean, when did that get changed from the unpretty? Yeah? When he come um, back? Is that what it was? When he come back? Yeah. Yeah. To me, I just I felt as though as well with this, the crowd bought into it more than they maybe did on the WWE CW TV taping. Yeah, I thought. Um, but I think it was in Canada, which obviously Christian is going to be massively over in, isn't it? You, you sort of forget how good Christian is, or was. Yeah. I was Absolutely. really impressed with Christian. This is the first time I've ever seen this match. And I thought Christian was like, incredible. Because I sort of tuned out of wrestling at that point, so I missed his sort of singles running WWE. And it was I w- I wasn't extremely talented. I wasn't watching at the time, but I think it's one of them things that I think, I can't remember where I read it, that that it was good to go look at. So I went and looked at it when the network became available, how many years ago that was now, and thought, yeah, that's pretty good. And then, like say, when obviously we were doing this, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll pick that again, because I like that one. Have you seen uh, Christian's return to ECW when he first comes back into the BB? No. no. At all times. Is this, is this after his TNA run? Yeah. Yeah. 
So he comes out, and Todd Grisham's on commentary, and he goes, and I quote, in the exact turn, it's it's Christian. <laughs> I <laughs> think you might have seen that. Absolutely <laughs> ruins it. Look it up. On your, throw it on your Google machine. Absolutely ruins what should have been a huge return. Absolutely kills it off. Yeah, I think he had a lot of... Uh, I don't know why he, he, he didn't get more opportunities at the top, Christian. Cause I think Bruce Pritchard says he's the best pure worker that the WWE's ever had. Even I think Ric Flair, um, according to Christian Ric Flair, said, if I was to create a promotion, you'd be my number one pick. Ooh. But he, I mean, he did get his World Heavyweight title, didn't he? I suppose at the end. Yeah, I think he just suffered from not being Edge. Yeah. I think he just always had a shadow. Same like Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy always had the same issue. Yeah. He just yeah. he wasn't the other guy, yeah. yeah. And, and Devon. But I yeah. did um, I did like uh, Christian's music. Yes. I like this as well, which will come as, again, no great surprise to yeah, either of you. Definitely in your bag, isn't it, Peters? But, Lou, what did you think of the uh, this match at Breaking Point? Yeah, it's a good match. I expected it to be a submission match because, you know, it's Breaking Point. Yeah, um, I would I surprised as well. Yeah, it's just, it's only, I, I it's only also certain matches, wasn't it? That. Yeah, I forgot that happened. I remember watching it at the time. I think the main event was an I quit match as well. Yeah, and I, was, I there were submission matches. Breaking Point. But, yeah, it was just. I don't, I don't know. I don't like gimmick pay-per-views, but that's another start for another, another, start for another time because I've been on for like 10 years now, so I'm not going anywhere by looks things. But yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this entire feud. Obviously, as we'll go on to the next match as well, which is from the same feud. Yeah. Um, but then does that not, I, not just but, show how good this feud was and how good both people were to me? Two very yeah. underrated people. Yeah. It was, yeah, and it was it was nice to have that on top of a brand. Like, obviously, ECW didn't work. The revival didn't work. It, trying it to was tell me that zombie wasn't brilliant. It was well, I thought it was just brilliant stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. You said we should be called something else. They just call it NXT or something. This would have been absolutely fine. Well, yeah, well, if it was NXT and you had sort of this match, people would be absolutely raving about it. Yeah, I think that the thing is, didn't I'm sure that Paul Heyman said that Shane McMahon wanted to sort of do an online streaming thing and make it a bit edgy. To make it like the original ECW, which he said is obviously quite ahead of its time when you look at sort of streaming services now. And I think if it was that, obviously it'd have been a totally different, totally different product. Once the, the issue with ECW was, it was never going to be the ECW of old. No. It, it no. didn't have the nostalgia feel to it. I, I don't think you can run. There's the reason why ECW is not around anymore for me is because you can't run the hardcore matches all the time. It's not. It's not fitting with society now is it really let's be, let's be honest i think no, that's it's got its place i mean it, no, it's, it was, yeah, it's just it's niche it's, yeah, yeah. there's a re- ecw yeah ecw was the third brand but it was in no way ever going to be number one no it 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 wouldn't even hold a candle to to roll off smackdown really at the time and still it, it was now. it was getting the, the original by, one yeah the original one was getting beat by wcw and wwf it was never going to be number one was it, it was always the yeah. third it, it was third but it was always the third one. I think we said this last week. Some things just need to die. <laughs> some things need to just end to have the legacy. And there was this, yeah, the the two comeback shows were, were good. The first one was a lot better than the second one. What well, I will sh- should have ended then. Uh, I prefer what the I will... second one. I, I thought you would. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> yeah. I what I will say about WWE ECW, it did bring up some really good stars. So it brought up obviously the Miz, CM Punk. Johnny Knight, it, it just didn't, didn't need to be ECW for me. No, it didn't no. need to be. But if if there is a shining light in it, 
that it is that it got some talent yeah. over that wouldn't have got necessarily got the TV time or the spotlight on Raw or SmackDown. But I know what you're saying. It didn't yeah. need to be ECW. Yeah, because I think this is this match was in September, like it had finished by February. Yeah, yeah, actually. it won't long. So that nicely goes on to the so Regal loses. Oh, there's a few things actually. We'll go back to this match. Yeah. Uh, so the round table are immediately banned from ringside. So they've obviously been getting involved. I Imagine Tiffany, which I completely forgot about. So did I. And I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I that was the thing that happened. Yeah, Christian returns after the kill switch. He quite nicely reverses a well, like jumps out the way of a knee strike straight into the into the kill switch. It's only got ten minutes, but it was a, it was a definitely very good ten minutes. And this nicely brings us on to our our next match. So Regal's denied another opportunity because he's lost twice for it now. Uh, the round table keep attacking Christian. And Christian says, I'll give you one more chance, but Regal says, no, I want this to be on my terms. So this is on an episode of ECW, November 10th, 2009, in Sheffield, England. And we've got a certain member of our group was there on this night. <laughs> and sure was. It's your next pick, Lou. Why was this your, your last, well, your William Regal match pick? Yeah, certainly because I was there, basically. And at the time, I think this is my first, WWE TV taping. So I'd been to a house show before in Sheffield, but I'd just moved to the university in Sheffield a couple of months before, probably around the time of breaking point, actually. So I was there with my mates from back home, uh, Tom, who we all went to WrestleMania with, and uh, and Aaron, who's a regular listener, friend of the show. And we had a bloody great time. So 25 minutes into this broadcast, if you look up, you can see a big regal sign at the bottom of the upper tier. That is us free. We've all got, I think there's an RE, a GA, and then an L, an exclamation mark, because Tom wanted two letters. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's an exclamation mark on the end. And you can see, like, I might be making this up, but I'm pretty sure, like, around 25 minutes, 10 seconds, when Regal's wiping his feet on the apron, he looks up and goes, good lads. That, that's my first note, is a shout out for Lou's sign. Because I, I yep. saw, I remember recording it. To <laughs> see yep. if he was on. And the thing is, I, I noticed afterwards that I never watched this match fully since I was there. Right. Because um, I remember it, it was, so it was an ECW Smackdown tip, and obviously ECW went on first. And the crowd got, it doesn't really come across on the TV as much as it, I thought it did. The crowd were insanely hot for this one. It was about 50-50. See, I felt they were quite quiet for this. Yeah, it came across on the TV. It might have just been because I just had a few beers at this point, but I thought it was a really loud crowd at the time. Sheffield Arena, they're super pints. You know, you get two and one. Oh, good old. Yeah. Mine. But it was, it was it was like a football-style atmosphere, and it was kind of the the adults and the, the more... I, I, don't, I hate to see, like, hardcore wrestling fans, because I think if you're there, you're a wrestling fan. Yeah. But the more, the people who watched a bit more wrestling, as it were, were supporting Regal. Um, and it was like these... Stupid dumb kids who are like seven years old spotting Christian and ruining everything for everyone. But like, um, I would have said, why did you spot Christian then? <laughs> Fuck off, Piers. <laughs> I would have said the crowd was more on Regal's side, especially towards the end. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he got really into it. And it, the, it, the crowd reached such a fever pitch at some points. They really have the SmackDown tip and afterwards. <laughs> the SmackDown tip had a main event of Chris Shergo versus The Undertaker, the first time ever on WWE TV. <laughs> and okay. I genuinely don't think the crowd got into it as much as did this Regal and Christian match. Is it, it was just Tom Boy, though, isn't he? Yeah, boy. well, looking like 100 miles away, as he kept saying. 
Yeah. 91 miles, I did Google yeah. it just to make yeah. sure. I didn't know there was that far. I'd have put it a lot closer, I guess. That's, uh, that's I'd miles I'd away for us, though, isn't it? But in America, yeah. that's not far at all, is no, it? It's just down the road. It's just down the road yeah. Yeah. But anyway, in, um, I remember there was a, a show at Al's Court a couple of years afterwards. I might remember before this where Regal was general manager or something and he came out and the crowd went absolutely mental. And he was doing that thing where he kept going quiet down. And then when he quieted down, he just turned his hands up. <laughs> I was like, oh, a bit, a bit more. And it went on for ages. So he was definitely over, especially with the... Because he was quite a respected wrestler at this point. And I genuinely thought he was going to do it. Like, th- this feud had been going on since SummerSlam. This is November. So that's a long time for a WWE feud to be going on. And it was his last chance. It was in England. I thought bloody hell, yeah, he's doing it. But when I watched it back on TV, yeah, the crowd seemed a bit quieter. But also, I was just... I thought... Because it was a developmental brand, the commentary and the, even the ring announcing just weren't very good. Yeah. And it really had it really had the match. That it lady. Saxton. Saxton. Saxton, Saxton yeah. Yeah, Saxton. Saxton. That yeah. that lady as well who introduced them. When she went, oh, it's for the ECW Championship. Shall I put a hand in the air? I'm just thinking, well, why have you done that? But she, I don't know who she was, but she wasn't was very good. At this time. No, I think yeah, it's yeah. a basically a. Announcement of Regal was oh from Blackpool and it's uh, it's it's really Regal. Yeah, uh, she, there's a reason why none of us know who she is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was like that one with she. Yeah, there are some good ring announcers. Like who's the guy now? Um, Mike Rom. Yeah, pretty good. I've just I the think, other side was really good. I think Chim's underrated as well. Yeah. Johnny Chimmel. Yeah. yeah, and um, even Andy Shepard in NXT UK gets the crowd going. Although he's yeah. commentator, he's commentator now in NXT UK, isn't he? Is it it's really? Yeah, he's play by play now. Wait, instead of Tom Phillips? Yeah, it's nice to have a British commentator, really. Is it still Nigel McGuinness? No, it's... Um, oh, well, it was it in English, but it's been released now, so I'm not sure it's going to be going forward. So obviously, they're not tapped at the moment. Mm. They're just showing reruns, but... Uh, so, is it a good match? Is This is, I think, about twice as long as the match before, but this is because it's... I think it was, like, one of the only matches on that ECW... Yeah, the, the episode was, like, an hour long. There was a really, really bad match with Van Satcher. That was big just before it, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, in the... The, he did like a post-match beatdown and they re-recorded it like three times to get more heat because everyone was booing at the end of it like oh fuck's sake will you just get on with it but on TV they only showed it once so like he got loads of heat <laughs> but that was purely through just like, sub- like making the crowd submit to booing him yeah, yeah. there's some pretty good spots there's a, like a double underhook suplex off the top rope by Regal that was pretty yeah uh, Regal kicks out with a kill switch at one point. So yeah, that was very good. Was Even win. the contest, it's like, well, no one does that. It was... Yeah, he then got the Regal stretch on him for ages, hasn't he? And Christian gets to the ropes before finally Christian retains after hitting another kill switch. Um, I think Regal hits a knee as well, doesn't he, in this? Yeah. yeah. Tate Peters, what did you think of this one, especially compared to the, the one a couple of weeks before on, on Breaking Point? Can I just first say a point that I didn't make in the last match? How horrible is that ECW title as well? Oh, whoa, 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 that's, that's, right, that's, like, my, that's my issue with it. It's, it is. Yeah. It is a, it it's a developmental brand. I was, you know, I think if it's a NXT, NXT's a developmental brand, then they've got a gold title. Yeah, that's just too much, I think. 
They've got I, nice titles. I, I prefer the old NXT one. The big X, but, I like the big yeah, X. Yeah, I like the big X. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't think there's wrong with like a, a silver or platinum. Right. <laughs> 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 That's the reason why they got rid of it, right. isn't it? <laughs> edit this out when the lawyers get in touch. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it. I think there's nothing wrong with a silver title belt. I think uh, the, the WCPW title belt was silver, the original one. Uh, the belt. Beautiful. I, I, no, I disagree with you. And I, not because I didn't want a big fan of the original ECW title. I thought that looked crap. But yeah, That was cheap. This, I just think a silver title looks rubbish. You don't look it. It looks cheap. Yeah, it looks cheap. It was, it was like huge. It was 3D. It was well thick. It was well nice. It, does, it doesn't look important. Yeah. Was... I'm not it's, got a big, it's got a big fucking eagle on it. Right. Yeah, why? <laughs> eagle championship wrestling was it? Eagles are cool. <laughs> well, it was more like a phoenix, oh, right, I think. It was, it was more a phoenix. <laughs> Whatever it was. It was... ECW was a brand rising from the ashes. Right, well, I'm sorry to have started this bonfire. Jeez. Ah, I'm not, I agree with you, Pete. Yeah, well, you come, you come you with your bullshit point of, oh, it's a shit title, though. It's a shit title. No, not having it. Right, it's anyway, not... you're wrong. Luke, you're wrong. Ross is right. Uh, no. well, to this match. We're going to put a Twitter poll up on Wednesday, and we'll see. The people will decide. Yeah, right. we will. We'll we lose will. It. You're right. No, I, I thought this match was really good. Like you said, the, the underhook suplex off the top was incredible. For something that it's not usually something you see Regal do either, is it go to the top? Mm. But so it was quite nice to see him do that. There's a spot as well that I've always liked, which is where the Regal whips Christian and he hits the ring post chest first. And I always think that looks really good as a spot, just to sort of enable them to sort of get get the next segment going, the next section of moves going. And Christian hits that with some force, and I think obviously it looks a lot better when there's some force it hits with. But, yeah, I thought, again, it was really good. I do prefer Breaking Point because I, I felt as though it came across as the crowd wanted it more. Which, But, obviously, as Lou was there, they've done something on the TV production, which is fair enough. Yeah, whatever. I thought that was just... They didn't pick it up very well. It was a very football-like atmosphere. Yeah. I didn't think they quieted him down, though, don't 50, they? 50. Yeah, it's it was a bit... It's too loud to be quieted down. But yeah. there's also... Christian also receives a boot to the side of his face. From Regal after he kicks out the kill switch, which again looked amazing. And Regal does the Regal stretch, and the angle that Christian's shoulder is on looks horrible. I how that didn't pop out of that socket, I'll never know. Yeah, I like that's right. Like the Regal stretch, it looks like a submission that will hurt. Very much like the Rings of Saturn. Yeah, it looks like yeah. There's a reason that's there, and then rather than like oh, seen as STF or the Miz's figure four, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> He actually oh, the, the, rock sharp, the rock sharpshooter. Yeah. Even the disarmer. Whoa. I'm not a fan of the disarmer. Uh, I have a word for you. Uh, I think the, the disarmer looks like it hurts. So I've just tried to put uh, it. Robert. Say, Pete, just put the disarmer on himself. <laughs> don't, don't be having a go at Becky Lynch. Nah, I'm with you on this one, Luke. Won't be having it, alright. <laughs> can I kick him off the car? I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> It'll fall apart if it won't be here. It's just been uh she's just been cast in a Marvel film apparently, Becky Lynch. Yeah, I didn't see that actually. So as a Marvel fan now of the last three weeks, I'm looking looking forward to this very much. Do you think do you think this is just the beginning of the end of a WWE career? I don't know, because it can go one way, Sky. You can either go the Rock or John Cena or it can be Hulk Hogan. You just don't <laughs> know. What? You didn't like that 
Shubblin Paradise or his program is gone. <laughs> Shubblin Paradise. Sanoe Muscles, which we'll be reviewing as a Christmas bonus episode. Um, was that not the one with Goldberg? Which was on the Goldberg where he's like a oh, Jingle Santa? No, that was Jingle Santa on it. Jingle all the way? No, I want Jingle all the way. Oh, oh, Jingle all the way in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's got Big Show in it. Is it Big Show? Yeah, he's got my favourite, my favourite Hulk Hogan film is The Muppet in Space. That's got Goldberg and Nash in it as well, isn't it? Muppet in Space? Yeah. You want to watch if you if you're well, sure I want to go back and Kevin Nash. Are you not thinking of uh, Longest Yard? Yeah, I was gonna say you want to see that. It's got uh, the great Carly and Stone Cold in it as well. Yeah, I don't know. Hang on, I'm googling Goldberg's discography now. Oh, and is this, there's, this, there's a Christmas film where Goldberg's like some sort of killer Santa. <laughs> is this a dream? <laughs> is this legit? <laughs> I've seen a clip of it. Santa Slayer. But Slayer is spelled as in Slayer as in Slayer the Beast. It's like yeah. a slasher film, yeah, sure it is. Yeah. 2005. Wow. Canadian American Christmas slasher comedy film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that that's the only place on the internet where that, that sentence is applicable. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I've gone completely. What was we talking about? ECW Regal. <laughs> ECW Regal. Fact. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Regal Plex. Oh, yeah, because Becky Lynch is in the Marvel Club, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he started out falling be... flare on Becky Lynch. Would they be wrestling around if we didn't fall apart within the, in the last part? <laughs> yeah, so Christian wins this, so Regal's now doesn't challenge for the ECW title anymore. I think he, he, does, ends... he does help Ezekiel Jackson win it. Yeah. So the round table split up because Regal and Ezekiel Jackson turn on Vladimir Kozlov. It looks like Regal's going to side with Kozlov, but he, he turns on him. And then he sort of supports Ezekiel Jackson in his bid to beat Christian for the ECW title. And that's pretty much it till ECW's sort of disbanded. I think that's 2010, isn't it? So not long after the Regal-Christian. It's, it's about the February time, it's I think. February time. Yeah, it's, it's not very far into it. It then is replaced by NXT, but not NXT as we know now. <laughs> this is the sort of game show NXT. With heel Michael Cole. Yeah, I think so, yeah. So absolutely, Regal, absolutely glorious stuff. And Titus O'Neil still slipping before Titus yeah. World Slide. Yeah, before... Yeah. before you know, with the, with the, um, that's when he's like running around with a beer with can like or a something. Ke- a keg, yeah. yeah. I think it started serious, but by the end of it, when he realised it was like the joke and we're going to cancel it, Michael Cole just being Michael Cole was just hilarious when he had that gong. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched it. Oh god, it. Uh, um, it was it was so stupid. But Regal's drafted to Raw after his interview stops. But he is Skip Sheffield's uh, mentor in NXT. Skip Sheffield is Ryback, I believe, isn't he? Yeah, the big guy. I happened to him. He just went, didn't he? And that was it. I think there was something to do with his contracts and his appearances, apparently. And but he he's not like. Right. Well, he's not done out well since, has he? He's not done any of the wrestling, has he? That no, there was, I, a, I think there was a very strong rumour he was going to be in the Bullet Club. And then it turned out to be Cody. And, yeah, which at the time was a bit weird because Ryback was the biggest star. But worked out, I guess. Yeah, because he put I mean, he put some Japanese lettering on Instagram or something, he? Yeah, I think he's got a podcast now, don't he? I think that's what he's, he's made now. Right. He's, I think he's, he has his own like, nutrition business or something, he? Yeah, so he's one of our rivals, basically. Yeah, it's just a piece of shit. <laughs> I should take him down. Oh, 100%. I'll take him out after I take out Mike Jones. Yeah, that's only the natural progression. Yeah. I think he also mentored uh, Regal, go back to Regal, not Ryback. Uh, also mentored Daniel Bryan at one point. 
which is so he trained him in real life, game. and then Daniel Bryan got given the Miz as yeah, his mentor. It was like a rookie, rookie and a was it a veteran? Yeah. I think and a pro. Didn't they call him a pro? A pro yeah, a pro, but sorry. Daniel Bryan's whole character was like, yeah, I'm in that guy. I don't really care about WWE's like do's and don'ts. So he came out in his first promo and said like, oh, I wish um, I'm like you guys. I wish my pro was William Regal. Right. Um, and he was wearing the the pants, the the claret pants, which was like Regal's hallmark from a few years before. There's a there's a great story. This is completely unrelated, but Wade Barrett when he was in NXT was was he Jericho his men his mentor. Yeah. And Barrett's not listening because he's like real took in by the crowd. Jericho just passes him the mic. And he's not listening to what Jericho said beforehand. So he starts going on about how he's Wade Barrett and he's from England and he's the toughest guy ever and he's going to kick the crap out of this guy and that guy. And then uh, Jericho just looks at him and says, I asked you to introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think that's hilarious. It's on, if you can find it in somewhere in the back catalogs, it's on Wade Barrett's podcast with Jericho. Or Jericho's podcast with Wade Barrett. But yeah. <laughs> He's not, completely not listening because he's so in awe by this crowd. Because I don't think he's ever wrestled in front of such a big crowd before. No, he was in the, the, the smaller British promotions on there again yeah. before. And he starts like saying, oh, I'm with Barrett and I'm big. And I'm <laughs> just looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> Which I just think totally sums up NXT. But in, uh, in March 2011, so like a year after NXT's been around, he becomes a colour commentator. He has a feud with uh, Jacob Novak. I couldn't find a right lot on, but his mentor was JTG. And then that's quite a long feud with Darren Young. <laughs> and, uh, I completely forgot run, this one happened. Well, this runs into sort of NXT becoming more of a show than a contest. And then he, he takes over from Matt Stryker as the host of NXT. And then a couple of weeks later, becomes the official match coordinator, whatever that means. Is that head booker without actually staying your head booker? Especially GM, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Then starts to work colour commentary on FCW. They sort of this was NXT, but developmental before NXT, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, he has a match with Dean Ambrose, which is on YouTube. I recommend everybody checks it out. It's pretty brutal. Dean Ambrose goes, well, this is like his crazy guy, lunatic fringe before he was called a lunatic fringe. On there, he's like sort of unhinged. So that's what he's doing now, I guess. <laughs> what he did in CZW. Yeah, he was meant to be in that feud with McFarley, wasn't he? But McFarley never got clearance. Yeah, they filmed a lot of stuff, didn't they? Yeah. I think one of his first matches was going to be at WrestleMania, wasn't it? With McFarley. A, a hardcore match, yeah. Yeah. He then sort of, Regal just sort of wrestles quite sporadically of Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. Normally when it's the tour in the UK, he comes out. I think he's in a programme with Big Show and Sheamus. I think he's like Sheamus's mentor. Off, have right. you have you seen the clip of him wrestling Daniel Bryan on main event? No, I don't think I have. Where he's coming out, I, I don't know who wins the match. Probably Daniel Bryan at the time, but he's coming out to his like his his traditional music. And halfway down the ramp, uh, the production team changed it to Real Man's Man. Just a rib, is it? <laughs> just a rib, and uh, obviously Daniel Bryan starts creasing, and really Regal just kind of looks like he just kind of smirks and just carries on. And all the music plays again. <laughs> But it's on a main event tape at around that time. I can't remember exactly when it was. Speaking of uh, Regal's music, we haven't mentioned this yet, but I, I think it's one of the better theme songs. It's uh, bloody menacing to me. It's called, is it the Call Villain or something like that? The actual tune? I don't know. I think it's 
talk about music fitting a character. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. It's quite menacing, isn't it? And that's what he is. And it it's quite low and... I don't know what the word to follow out. I was going to say drudgy, but I don't think that's even a word. Yeah. I don't know if that's a word or it's not. It's one step away from like the Imperial March or something. Isn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And you, when it hits, you just know what's going to happen. It reminds me very much of Walters. Yeah. That yeah. sort of thing. That's you just good. know what's coming. Well, I see yeah, WWE have this like amazing ability of every theme tune. You can tell by the first note who's coming yeah. out. Imperium. Sorry, I forgot the name. I forgot the Imperium, name. Imperium, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a great future. And interestingly enough, when we went to America, it was a uh, your ring to uh, well alarm to that little. It was. Yeah. <laughs> wake up. Get out of bed to that. So imagine sounds of William Regal. Waking up to that <laughs> every day for like three weeks. Was that the second time? It was the first time. No, it was. I changed it every day. Oh, did you? So it was yeah. Regal a couple of days. I remember like, being Roman Reigns. One day I didn't get to hear it because computers went too far and it happens five. I think I've been up about thirty-six hours at that point. Yeah. We've covered this once on the podcast, but I'm going to cover it again in some more detail because I'm getting hot about it again. Right. That one the worst bit, right? So we're both woken up at half five. Right, we're in bunk beds in a hostel in New York. I'm on the bottom, Peter's on the top. And I go, Peter, is that your well? I don't think you were happy at the time, whatever you were called. Walter Poop. Walter Poop. Say, hey, is that is that your alarm? And he goes, Yeah. Don't move. <laughs> don't get out of bed to stop it. So you're gonna fucking turn it up. <laughs> I think I went back to sleep. Human. Absolutely human. I nearly threw it out of the window and nearly ended up on the streets of Manhattan. <laughs> Me and Tom had a, had a lovely sleep. <laughs> yeah, we had a bigger room. We had this little stupid cooter room. <laughs> Barely enough room for two bunk beds in there. <laughs> where, you could, where you couldn't plug your adapters in into the sockets, otherwise uh, they fell out of the adapter. It was already yeah, the, in the wall. This is the thing for the American listeners, right? When they've got two plug sockets on a wall, why are they on top of each other? Because you only plug one thing in at a time anyway. And then the English plugs are triangular, so uh, you can only get one English thing in. Have yeah. more plugs in your rooms. I'll put them side by side. Yeah. It's yeah. So nice out. We, we have the best plugs. There's no, no doubt. Oh, yeah. The most secure. Well, yeah. Unless you stand on one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but any plug's going to work, though. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to India, because India is quite similar to ours. The European plugs. Ridiculous. They're a bit sharper, aren't they? Just yeah. on, a, on a side note, what would you rather step on? An English plug or a famous construction plastic brick from from Denmark. Denmark. I was going to say Scandinavia. <laughs> Is it Switzerland? Yeah, because I was thinking it's Sweden, but it's Scandinavia. Um, I think I'd rather stand on Lego. As someone who's built a lot of Lego, other, other bricks the, are available. During the quarantine. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta go with um, I gotta go with the Lego. I think I think the plugs yeah. are too big. The uh, UK plug, the three prongs are too big. It's gonna hurt a lot more. Maybe Regal should have used one in one of his matches. What a plug! Yeah, yeah it's a weapon instead of instead instead of the brass nooks. I'm assuming Jimmy instead of instead of thumbtacks, just a pl- yeah, plugs. Prongs, yeah. Jimmy Havoc must have done that at some point. Yeah, I've yeah, definitely seen Lego used in a hardcore match before. Like body slam onto plugs, that's gonna hurt more than tacks. 
I'd, I'd say it's I'd say Lego's gonna work more than the plug. Look, no, Lego's small. You can compass that in your foot. Anyway, <laughs> so, we'll, have to, we'll have to find this out, won't we? Anyway, so obviously we're all in social isolation, so we'll have to ask Kelly to do it. Set out some plugs, <laughs> set out some Lego, and then get Kelly to body slap you on to bottom. <laughs> I think she could. Oh, no. I don't. Oh yeah, oh, right, yeah. I don't. And then we'll see which one has the most. Post a video. We'll put it on Instagram. Yeah, there we oh. go. Brilliant. So if this gets um, ten thousand likes, nah, not even that. One like. <laughs> if we get one more review, <laughs> TPs will get body slammed onto. <laughs> There's still a lot happening on that ten review scale. There's a lot happening. I've, I've got to order my Power Rangers there. We're there. We're close. So if you if you're listening now, get put it on, and then TPs will get body slammed onto. We'll show. We'll send pictures out of his back as well. Oh great! So follow us on social media. At rest around on Instagram and Twitter at WRES around resting around on Facebook. Oh, even send us a send us your own your own like I don't know if you fancy getting body slammed onto Lego or plugs send yourself. Your own videos. Send us a send us videos or pictures to uh, wrestling around at outlook.com along <laughs> with other questions and we'll we'll get them sorted. And we'll, we'll, we'll announce it. Anyway, uh, let's, let's fly back to Orlando. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so well, yeah, so we're on NXT. Enough of these plug, this plug talk. He's uh, Regal feuds with Cassius Ono, then he feuds with the Wyatt family, pinned by Bray Wyatt at one point. That's something you, I don't think many people thought happened. Next to his his final feud with Cesaro. So Cesaro attacks uh, Booty Saxton. <laughs> Booty and, uh, Saxton. Regal's on comms at this point, and. Uh, Sort of stands up for uh, Saxton. So this is like one of the, I think the first match we've got so far, where Regal's the like the face. Because obviously the is a heel, pretty much throughout his full run. But he's got a match against Cesaro, and this turns Antonio out Antonio Cesaro. Antonio, this is before he gets his second name. His first name took off him. <laughs> this is at the time, but well, I don't think many people knew. But this is. William Regal's final ever match. It's quite nice. We had his final WCW match. His final, oh well, his final WCW match before he goes back. We've got his final match ever. Right, this is on the NXT uh, taping, twenty fifth of December, two thousand thirteen. It's sort of a a best bit show, and it there's only really one match right at the end. Regal Cesaro, and this is Peter's final pick. The Fink is there. He introduces him. Rest in peace. What did you think of this match, Peters? Why was this match your your final pick? I was salivating at the thought of Antonio Cesaro versus William Regal. Those two names together in one wrestling ring sounds incredible. Do you, I think we all know that Cesaro is brilliant. He's absolutely fantastic. And we all know, as from the last few hours of recording, that William Regal is brilliant. Put them in a match together, and it is incredible. And give them 20 minutes as well. You know, yeah, they gave him a long time. which And it worked. It really just worked. Again, both two technical wrestlers who put holds on each other, submissions, both bruisers, both brawlers. It's just incredible. One of my particular highlights is Cesaro is taking off the knee brace of Regal. He then places Regal's knee behind his head and stands up and just stretches it out. I think even outside of a wrestling ring, that's just going to hurt, trying to stretch someone's knee out like that. 
He's, yeah, he's freakishly strong, Cesaro, isn't he? There's another yeah. point where he's, he's like he even on takes his knees and he flips him over, doesn't he? Which is just like even takes freakishly strong. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and he throws him at the end, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he just throw him. And Regal, does Regal do the kick-off, I seem to remember, as well? Uh, possibly. I can't remember. I can't remember. But yeah, I, I think I think this. I go back to the influence thing. Just shows another person that Regal's probably had an influence on at some point. Oh, especially at this point in NXT, I think yeah. it was like a sort of a coach rubbing a coach. Lou, uh, what did you think of Regal's Regal's last ever match? Good way to go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I'd like to see him go out in like a knowing it was his last match and it probably be in England. Yeah. Um, but as yeah, a final I, match, I it was really good. I just I like the story of he gave everything till he had literally nothing left. Yeah. And he was almost like it was like Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair vibes at the end where Cesaro was like, oh, "I'm not going to finish this." There is a point where Regal's down for a long time, and yeah, it looks like Cesaro. Cesaro's looking at it. Is this part of the plan? Have I, oh shit, have I killed William Regal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it just looked like he just he just gave like absolutely everything they had. So I thought the story, the story was really good. And it was nice to see him as a a grizzled little veteran babyface rather than the heel that he's been. I thought um, the commentary team, I think it was Matt Bloom was on commentary, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, was it Tom Ted, Phillips? Ted I couldn't work it out. Saxon I, I, I couldn't work out the commentary team. Yeah, I couldn't work out if it was Tom Phillips. It sounded like Triple H a bit, I thought, but I assume that's Matt Bloom from what It was Matt Bloom. Well, Tensai. Yeah. Yeah. He says at one point in the Tensai. I didn't pick up on that. It was, I thought it was really good of the commentary team to sort of... They pushed how much of a veteran Regal was. Yeah. To your point, and like how wily he was and how smart he was. I thought the commentary team really played into that and made it feel more, you know, quite important. Yeah, I thought um, Saxon's cheerleading got on my a little bit too much. Like, I know the whole storyline was that he'd stood up for him. Mm. But it was still... I don't know. It's is, like, that, is that because you don't like Saxton? No, I don't know. It's just, I think sometimes you, you've got to have like a, an air of neutrality while watching, while you're commentating. That was like watching Liverpool on Sky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't miss that. Yeah. No, no, if Liverpool listens, it's fine. <laughs> or cue Zach Gibson. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. But, um, you know what I mean? It's there. just like, uh, you've got to keep it slightly neutral, I think, if you're going to present it as a proper spot. But other than that, like, yeah, I, mean, I I just I thought the story the story telling within the match was just really good. Yeah, I thought it was a, a good way for him to go out. He's sort of old school, and, he, and you ask any old school wrestler, they go out on the back. Like, not many win their last match. Yeah. Put over the new guy, sort of made Cesaro a, a star in NXT, didn't he? At this point. So this is Regal's Regal's last match in July. He becomes the NXT GM, and in 2015 he becomes. It comes a train. I think it's just after Dusty Rhodes unfortunately passed away. He sort of took on the on the mantle. Yeah, it then officially announces his retirement in 2017. So he ain't wrestled for four years anyhow. And he, you know, he, he's rose up the ranks. He's now the WWE Director of Talent and Development. He's a head of global recruiting. I think if you sort of believe reports, he's what Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe was to Vince McMahon. Regal is to Triple H, yeah. So you you sort of expect when Triple H inevitably gets the reins, Regal's going to be up there in the. Well, I mean, can he get much higher than head of global recruitment? <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty big job in it. 
I think he's definitely. I think he's one of the people who's pushed NXT UK, hasn't he? I'm pretty sure Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate have both said he, they, he scouted their matches. He's one of the reasons why they've come into the company. And in more recent news, April 13th, he was announced as the GM of 205 Live as well. After Jake, I don't know that. Jake Maverick yeah. got released, didn't he? Yeah, I suppose they go they go hand in hand though, don't they? Really? I, I think. Oh, yeah. did Drake Maverick get released? Well, it's a good story if he didn't. Um, is it? Because everyone who <laughs> genuinely got released on the same day. Yeah, but I, I I do think a lot of them will come back. Yeah. When I, when all this I it's crazy in it, it's, it's absolute mental time. I know Ken Velasquez got released, didn't he? Yeah, hopefully. I'm not surprised. Easy free baby comes back. He's a piece of crap. Ridiculous. We had some ridiculous takes on the show today. <laughs> you like EC3 for one reason only when he did the EC3 bit with Adam Cole. <laughs> That's it. What else has he done? He's had a five star match. He was 1 6 for a five star match. Still a five star match. Yeah, last Sullivan was also in that five star match. How many five star matches have you got? Seven. It's Japan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that got a 35 star match, you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, well, his manager, uh, general manager, Tulfabla, I think it's only a matter of time before they get merged together. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is the, the Cruiserweight titles in NXT anyway now, isn't it? Um, is, is it still Jordan Devlin? Yes, but they're having this interim championship tournament, which Jay Magriff is still in. Right. Even though. Oh, is this going to be. Um, it went. It's late, isn't it? Yeah, the storyline now is he needs to win to keep his job. Um, yeah, well, definitely went for Heath Slater. That got, got me interested in that SmackDown tag team tournament. Heath Slater and Rhino. Rhino. He's choosing the can. Anyway, <laughs> back to Regal. But yeah, that's Regal's career in a nutshell. He did quite a lot. He's a four time WCW TV champion, he's a five time WWF hardcore champion, four time WWF WWE European champion, two time Intercontinental champion, four time World Tag Team champion. 2008 King of the Ring winner. In 1994, he was uh, number 18 in the uh, PWI 500. So that was before he even was he? I can't remember. Before he got, he made his name really. Number 18, high spot, isn't it? Then in 2013-2014, he was Wrestling Observer Newsletter Best TV announcer winner. So good for for Regal. I remember him announcing on NXT. It's not a right lot he hasn't done. He's had a you know, when you go back and he, I think he came over, he got, he had a heart defect in like 2003, he got over that. He's had serious drugs problems. He fell asleep in his recruitment interview. Yeah. And he's had, for me, I'm a bias because we're British, but a Hall of Fame worthy career. That's what I was going to ask, yeah. Can you see him in the Hall of Fame? I think yes. so. Yeah. You, the Godfather's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Has Regal, done, has Regal done more than The Godfather? Yes. Nah. Yeah. No? <laughs> <laughs> well, has The Godfather done that Regal, hasn't it? train. I don't know, like... Yeah, no, I think he has. <laughs> yeah, I think... He must have. Yeah, The Godfather was probably a character that broke through into the mainstream. Well, that was just the area it was in. But I think, yeah, I think Regal... This is what he's done for the business. Yeah, he's... He must. He must be. Yeah, it's got to be a hard thing. Where do you think he stacks on greatest British wrestlers of all time? For me, I'm going to say he's number one. I know the Bulldog was, was up there, 
I mean, obviously, I think over, in time, the yeah, there will be a certain Scottish person. Mm. Joe Hendry! <laughs> Should be. Joe Hendry's got all the tools. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I think in terms of English wrestlers, especially, I think for me, Regal's going to be number one. So yeah, I, I think he needs to. Obviously, the Bulldog was going to go in the Hall of Fame this year before it got cancelled. Um, but yeah, I think Regal will, will be there at some point. Uh, yeah, for me, he's a bull, Bulldog's with longevity. Yeah, and I think he's like of his time in NXT will go further. I I think Peter's mentioned this earlier. Regal's well before his time. Imagine if he joined now. Yeah. If you've got if you've got like a thirty year old Regal now. He'd be he's going to be having some great matches, isn't he? Yeah. I think he'd definitely be up there in NXT. I think he was unlucky not to... I mean, a lot of it was himself. <laughs> but he yeah. was unlucky not to have that WWF run, that world title run. And I was watching the... Um, I was watching the one of the Christian matches and I thought, he could he could be a sneaky heel here. You know what I mean? With a world... With a, I think if he'd have won Money in the Bank, it would have been pretty similar to Edge. You know, like ultimate opportunist, and he because he was he cheats to win, so he could have been like maybe even yeah, the British, the British Ric Flair, the day he's playing the game, but obviously British. Peters, what where do you think Regal sits with all like British greats? I don't. Know, it's it's tough, isn't it, between both Bulldog and Regal? But I think, like you said, because of the longevity, I would say number one. Because he went to different companies and produced, in my opinion, and I think I know, I know obviously what Bulldog sadly died in when he was a lot younger than what Regal is, so didn't maybe have the opportunity to give back to the business. But I think giving back to the business as well is quite important because with bringing up the next generation of wrestlers. Yeah, I think Regal's definitely going to go down. Maybe it's like younger fans, especially within the next ten years. Of Regal's gonna be like what we think of Briscoe and Patterson and Bruce Pritchard and Michael Pierce Hayes and Paul Heyman and you know behind yeah. the scenes. So we can expect to see him have an evening gal match in about three years' time. Yeah, well, he's had one, hasn't he? With the uh... well, yeah, <laughs> Las Vegas Showgirls. I mean, if he seems like his big mates are Triple H and they're, they're sort of linked all the way through the career, so there's a bit in WCW and then when he's uh, teaming with Eugene. He's in the sort of semi-feud with Triple H, and then he, even though these general managers with Triple H, and then he's in NXT with Triple H, and if Triple H gets the big job like everyone expects, surely Regal's going in if he's got some swear. Yeah, you would think. I would help. Yeah, but that has that has been William Regal's career. Sort of different. This is the first time we've done anything like this, going through one wrestler's career. It's definitely something I think we'll visit again in the future birthdays, big events, sort of debuts or whatever. Definitely something we'll do again. We'll probably even go back to Regal because he's definitely had a lot more matches than a lot of great matches more than six. And I think what was amazing about the, the six that we picked, he didn't win a single one. Which shows you how great he was, I think. Yeah, it shows Me, that you don't, you don't need to ego. win. Yeah, you, you don't need to win. You don't need to worry about getting buried because you've lost one match or two matches. You know, we've all said he's one of our favourite Favorite wrestlers probably in the top five for all of us, I assume. Mm, and yeah, and I, I can't think of a single match that is really won, a big match <laughs> that is really won in his career. I would love to know his win loss record. Yeah, oh, he'd beaten the negative, wouldn't he? Without yeah. a doubt. 
Sure, but it doesn't it doesn't matter when you've got a strong enough character and you've got a strong enough wrestling skills behind you. It doesn't make any difference. Wrestling, yeah, you always... wins a lot. I know people get sick for saying it, especially in WWE, but wins and losses don't matter that much. They really don't. No. Not at all. But you look at like uh, is it Triple H? He's lost more matches at WrestleMania than he's won. Yeah, he's lost more any person. Yeah, any person in history. Well, is, is Triple H one of the best of all time? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. like Ric Flair, sixteen-time world champion. That means he's lost fifteen. Oh, he's lost the championship sixteen times. Yeah. So same with Cena. Mm-hmm. But they're still at the top, aren't they? No, his last title actually. His last title really annoys me, but we'll get on for that at some point. <laughs> Two weeks. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. But, you know, just before that, his matches with uh, AJ Styles, some of my favourite scenes of work. Mm-hmm. But that one at SummerSlam, I think it should have deserved five stars, in my opinion. Ah, for the one at the Royal Rumble. Maybe the one I'm thinking about. The right, one where he does, he does two actual adjustments off the top rope. Yeah. There's one of them where he didn't leave the ring. Yeah. That's all. We'll, right, that's, we'll get on. I'm, I'm no doubt it will do Cena um, at some point, whether it's an anniversary of his debut or birthday or whatever. It's birthday, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's been William Regal. Next week, a bit of a change. We're going back to uh, the first pay per view that we'll be doing on Wrestling Around when none of us were born. <laughs> so it was our age, wasn't it? Uh, we're going back to 1990 for Capital Combat. The one with Robocop in the cage. I saw that come up the other day. I was just scrolling through Twitter. And, uh, there was just like a video. Robocop ripping the cage off. <laughs> Amazing like, stuff. I can't, I can't wait. Terry Peters is a, a big WCW critic. <laughs> Are you excited for uh, for Robocop and Capital Combat? Nope. No? <laughs> there we have it there from Terry Peters. He's not excited. Lou, I know you are. Oh, it's going to be so, so terrible. Three hours long, so we'll, we'll enjoy uh, that. And then the yeah, week I might after, have to watch this one in stages. Yeah, well, for yeah. your own sanity, probably. Yeah. Uh, then the week after that, we're jumping forward 15 years to an era we haven't really covered yet. The, yeah, that's to say the ruthless aggression era. Yeah. Uh, Judgment Day 2005, where John Cena is in his prime at the top. Blue, are you excited to go to ruthless aggression WWE? I am. This is this is an era that I never really watched wrestling in. But this is about a year or two before I got back into it again. And I've heard good things about the uh, the John Cena and JBL main event. So I'm looking forward to it. So Peters, are you excited for, for Judgment Day 2005? I am. I've not seen anything I don't think of that pay-per-view apart from the main event, which I watched when I was younger. So I'm quite looking forward to watching it again. I do remember it being quite a good match, but whether that's because... I don't know. Maybe I had a few rose-tinted teenage spectacles on at the time. I don't really know. So we'll 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 find out in a few weeks' time. The, the rose tint could have come from the sheer amount of blood that both JBL yes, has. Yes, there is that. <laughs> and and John Cena lose. Um, but yeah, so that's next week is Capital Combat 1990, and then the week after Judgment Day 2005. Follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram as uh, at rest around W R E S round will. We'll chuck some polls on, we'll chuck some photos on the Terry Peters or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> Lou in his, uh, in his green Power Rangers outfit. <laughs> Something was going to get Terry Peters to do, but I can't remember what it is already. It's got a rat tail. Rat tail. Oh, rat tail, and he's going to get body slammed onto um, some, some Lego. Some <laughs> Lego unplugged. 
he's, yeah. he's flicking his hair in the camera, yeah. <laughs> What's left of it? He'll flick it too hard, they'll bloody fall out. I've just got a bit on my hand, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's at WrestleRound, W-R-E-S Around. Follow us on Facebook, Wrestling Around, loads of clips and stuff on there. Yeah, any questions, uh, anything? If you just want to tell us that you think Peter should get slammed twice onto Lego, nope. <laughs> email us at wrestlingaroundoutlook.com. Nope. You can find us on anywhere you can get podcasts pretty much as Wrestling Around. Leave us a review, one more review, and it's all going to kick off. <laughs> yep. I believe at one point you said 50 reviews and Hulk Hogan's going to turn up. That's <laughs> oh, true, yeah. Hulk Hogan, yeah. And Luna Sean on it. Was Luna Sean going to be there? <laughs> Me being Luna Vachon. <laughs> yeah. Well, God, no, we, ain't, we can't end the game like that. <laughs> Tate Peters, where can we find you, social media? I'm at RobL92 on Twitter. Or why? why are you at RobL? I'm honouring our unnamed producer. Well, he's named, isn't he, Robert? No, our, our unhaired producer. <laughs> unhaired producer. Unhaired producer. Unhaired editor. He's full of shit, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, he is right, dick. <laughs> Lou, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm at, at Lou Markham, so a lot easier in my own name. <laughs> yeah, that's you're not changing some sort of yeah. weird, weird alias. <laughs> that is on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I am at the Ross M on Twitter. Uh, oh, that's, that's your Instagram. If at Restaurants. Ten reviews. Ross gets, Ross gets Instagram. Post a daily, post a daily selfie. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. Fifteen and I'll do it. Oh, Fifteen. Fifteen, there we go. Fifteen five star reviews and I'll do it. Yeah, oh we did um it's come to my attention that we uh, did promise the story of, of Walter Poop a couple of episodes ago it never got released. So I'm giving you now, Tay Peters, the chance to uh elaborate. Because it was you who brought it up. Is <laughs> <laughs> it it's a chance to elaborate on, on the whole Walter Poob scenario. So, we're in New York City. Lovely place. Went to Starbucks for a coffee. I think it was the day after we arrived. Obviously, quite tired after my 5.30am alarm. But it's Lou, it was the, it was the, the first morning, yes. Yeah. I went to Starbucks, ordered my drink. I can't remember what it was now. Um, and the lady, serving, shouted out, Poob. <laughs> So, obviously, everyone's looking around at each other, thinking, who the hell is called Poob? P-O-O-B? <laughs> and then reads the drink out, and I go, oh, that is mine. <laughs> so, from... So, when you were in Starbucks, did she say Poob, and then you didn't, obviously didn't go up? Yeah, well, we stood there for about a good five minutes, because I was thinking, who the hell is called Poob? So we got, I know, I said, we got a Poob in here? Poob? Yeah, they were going, Poob? Poob. Anyone for a poob? <laughs> so yeah, everyone was stood there, and I'm quite glad that I never had to walk in that Starbucks again. Right, so um, but that that says poob. So where does where's Walter come from? <laughs> so moving on to Walter, we go to Atlantic City, Gordon Ramsay's restaurant in our hotel of Little Caesars Palace because we're feeling quite fancy and snazzy. We asked for a reservation. Can I just the... point out before you get to this? Um, they asked us to make a reservation. There was nobody in the restaurant at that point. But we did spend hundred dollars in the casino waiting, which I guess was the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they asked me for my name. I said Robert, and they go, "What, Walter?" <laughs> uh, obviously, Walter plus Pooh equals 
Walter Poob. And if you go on my Instagram, you can see the cup of Poob as it came up on my Facebook memories the other, whenever it was, whenever we were in America from the time. So, And I re-uploaded it to Instagram because it's still hilarious to this day. There we go. That'll be on the uh, the official uh, Wrestling Around social medias. It will be the, uh, the Poob photo. Because... Um... As, as made up as that story sounds, it was 100% true. <laughs> and I got ridiculed for two and a half weeks, and still six years later, get ridiculed. Is that has it been no, six years? Four years, years sorry. Four years. Oh, yeah, Christ. Four years. So there you go. You can stop asking now for the origin story or what we poop. <laughs> this has been Wrestling Around, William Regal's career. Next week, Capital Combat, and the week after that, Judgment Day. Thank you very much, Terry Peters, a.k.a. Walter Poop and Lou. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we shall see you next time on Wrestling Around. And if you're watching Money in the Bank tomorrow night, enjoy. Well, they've seen it at this point, were they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.